And the Oscar goes to Roberto Benigni in Life is Beautiful. Thank you, thank you. This is a, a moment uh, of joy. And I want to kiss everybody because you are the image of the joy. And uh, he who kisses the joy as it flies lives in eternity sunrise, they said the poet. And this is wonderful to be here. I, I'm not able to express all my gratitude because uh, now is, uh, my body is in tumult because it's a colossal moment of, of joy. So uh, everything is really in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I cannot express. I would like to be a, a, a Jupiter and kidnap everybody and lie down in the firmament making love with everybody because I don't know how to express it's a question of love and also I would like to thank my parents in Vergaio in the little village in Italy they gave me the biggest gift of poverty and I want to thank them for the rest of my life Really, but thank you, Mama and Papa. And uh, I hope, really, I don't deserve this. But uh, I hope to win some other Oscars. Thank you. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. And I'm Ethan. Hey, look at you. I learned this time. You sat on it this time. There yeah. we go. There's no doubting that was the end of the list. I, I, was, pra- I was practicing beforehand. Sometimes. We got like up to five people here. Yeah. Have we ever done six? <sighs> Including maybe, guests? Maybe with a guest? Maybe. I think I'm trying to remember when we had uh, Nick and Russ from the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything mm-hmm. show. All the way back when we did... Uh, Bill and Ted. I don't know if we had six that day. I think we had six that day. Maybe, maybe Sean Pissard, because that was that was the full team at the time. Oh, right. Was it, was it all five of us? Okay. I think so. I'm trying to think about... No, I don't think Ellie could make Simon Callow. So, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, just the two of us today, though, which is... Uh, look at the runtime. There's no one to blame but me and you. <laughs> so, there we go. Uh, thanks, folks, for uh, coming on and turning on the old listening podcast device in order to check out episode number 197, Life is Beautiful. Uh, a couple of promos. We've been, we've been busy little uh, little bunnies this yeah. week. Uh, doing uh, Keeping It Low-Key. Two episodes of Keeping It Low-Key dropped. We did a midweek drop and a Marvel Monday drop yesterday. uh, Yeah. If you're listening to us on Day Relief. So we're all caught up. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And numbers have been good. And uh, it's... That's that's good. It's fun. It's fun doing one of those again. It's also fun having... Uh, more than just the one weekly episode. It's fun showing that variety and per- different personalities coming out and different stories coming out. So uh, I have enjoyed doing that. So that is good. And it's, I'm glad to see the numbers bear fruit because that's always the downside when you're like, I really enjoy this. And not as many people as you want would listen. So, uh, no, it's going all right. I think it's, it's been spe- fun to return to it. Yeah, I think it speaks to the idea that as we've, as we've sort of um, – Oh, what's the word I wanted? I always have been saying lately when you propose an idea. Anyway, like I've theorized in the past yeah. that Loki is that original series on Disney, which people will go out of their way to watch. I think the yeah. uh, it's no longer appointment viewing as it once was. Remember, like, if you remember how Twitter used to break down every time there was a WandaVision episode. Oh, God, yeah. 
uh, because every, it, it hijacked it. It was it was everyone was talking about it. It was the water cooler conversation. I don't know if we're there, but but Loki's closer to there than uh, than the. I'm still not seeing it like sharp on like trending anymore. But I think that's more just how current Twitter is running than like the 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 engagement the show's getting. I think Twitter. It's interesting. I wonder if they've got some sort of deal about trying to keep things spoiler free. Because I remember for a while, one of the complaints was you could get spoiled on these shows by seeing what was trending yeah. on Twitter. And I wonder well, if they made like little filters. Yeah, I wonder and, if Twitter's trying to make it a bit more generic so you can't yeah. really get get spoiled on things. I still see spoilers, but it's like spoiler tags that they have like an image sensor thing where you have to like click show to then see the the content. So it, it will be like. Loki spoilers and then a censored image and then you go oh I've seen Loki I'll see what the spoiler is okay so I it I don't even see that I just I think it's my Twitter is just kind of all over the place at least with that or I'm just not seeing anyone I follow talk about it yeah it could be that too yeah. um, we also want to thank um hermes hermes oslander for joining us last week for the last hermes. samurai go check that out if you haven't checked that out a hermes conversation is always a good conversation and it always ends up being kind of two sides it's it's kind of like lost when hermes comes yeah. on do, do you get what i mean when i say lost because you said yes I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to hearing your uh you think it's going one way and then it's another it's oh, usually interesting. Like a, 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 mis- a mystery after a mystery kind of thing interesting not where i was going but but actually oh. actually quite quite salient well done Ooh. lost had this thing where it realized the emotion was in characters being forced to make impossible decisions. So about once every four or five episodes, they'd get them all together, and they'd present two dueling ideologies, usually on behalf of the two leads, Jack, the man of science, and Locke, the man of faith. And people would be forced to choose one way or the other, and love triangles would be split up, and you'd be looking, you'd see someone choose one way and look with regret, and the pain on the person who wasn't chosen, and then the look of like quiet satisfaction. And then in five episodes, we jumble them together and we force them to do it again. And it's kind of like a Hermes episode does that. It takes the BFE and it goes, which way are we going to split this time? And sometimes on the same side, and sometimes on the opposite side. And this week, I think I was multiple things at different times, but it's always good. I love a, co- a conversation where there's a difference of opinion. I mm-hmm. really um, enjoy that. I enjoy f- sort of fleshing that out and talking through it. I look uh, fondly on Whiplash. With yeah, with Whiplash. whiplash. Yeah. This is probably the closest to Whiplash we've gotten without it being without getting to Whiplash levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, unlike Liam and, and Georgia, who really actually get quite agitated when there's a disagreement. There's a weird comment there about about being unable to just handle people disagreeing, not not being disrespectful, not being loud, just not coming to a consensus, and how that can cause anxiety. I guess. Mm. I've I've noticed because I, I obviously I do film classes at uni, and a lot of it is like um, subjective opinion because I'm doing classic Hollywood cinema, so a lot of these films are a little bit outdated, or like they're not the most progressive in like the wording or representation of, of women or just people in general so sometimes it's like i hate this film and it's bad because this 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 and this and then at the same time we're having to go this this is a really interesting artistic direction because of the time and the history and how they're able to produce this it, it, king kong was a big one king kong was a big one for that because of the Inter- inter- not interpretation, suggestion of what things might represent. Is this the original King Kong? The 1933 King Kong, yeah. Yeah, because you could well, you couldn't do anything anyway because of the Hays Code. So, um, yeah. 
it limited you. I mean, try. I'm trying to teach uh, some of my GCSE students Dracula, and what do you do when you can't show blood but you want to make a vampire movie? Yeah, it's it's really so. Basically, what you can do is you can see him leaning in. You have to cut away, and then the next morning they have like these two wounds on the. It, it, has, it has to all be inferential. Yeah all be inferential so it's, it's fascinating yeah because with with king kong uh the reading we had two different readings and it, it's basically two different ideology butt heads in this reading and one of them's like you can perceive it because of the history and like the context surrounding america and like where they're producing the film at the time because there was a mass influx of uh migration of black americans to this one area people were viewing kong as as the black man, the, the like the the face of oh, black men. I've, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That caused a lot of beef on Twitter the other day because people, someone was like, "Oh, you're just trying to cancel movies." It was like there was there was. The, I'm just I'm I'm the messenger here. This so is, it was a really this interesting is, this is conversation. Reading. Yeah, yeah. Interesting readings about how it's done, especially because like all of the. I was surprised the tribesmen weren't just like white people. I'll be honest in, in makeup. I'll yeah. be honest, I have not seen King Kong. Any any iteration, it's, any iteration. Oh of wow, it. Yeah. wow! It's on iPlayer. It's like I think it's an it's an hour, it's a hour thirty. Oh, it's not nice. great. Yeah. It's not great, but it's it's interesting at least for I <sighs> found it interesting to see where we began. Tell you what, with King Kong, like I have to teach this Dracula movie, and it was a it was yeah. a, it was a class that I took over. Uh, there was uh, someone else who was taking it, and they uh, ended up um, changing careers really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took over this film class, which is fine, but they changed the films this year. So I'm like, all right, got to do what you got to do. But trying to actually make my way through this version. Oh, we used to do Rear Window. Rear Window is a lovely film, and we've traded it for Dracula. And I can't do Rear Window. It's not like, hey, just go back and do it. Can't do it. It's not on the, it's not on the syllabus anymore. Oh, I did that. I did Rear Window a couple oh, weeks ago. Oh, it's a great introductory it's, to oh, film sort of movie. Yeah. And instead, I got to watch this terrible version of Dracula. I don't mind teaching the Lost Boys, which is the film we got to pair with mm. it, uh, because it's, um, I don't like it. It's not a particularly good film, but <laughs> I can talk about it. I can say some really clever things about it. Tease, tease for what our next next week's film might be when we discover the poll. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. I'm trying to see if we remember everybody's picks. Uh, let's go ahead and just jump into that here for a second here. So at the yeah. end of the episode, we will reveal what we're doing for our Halloween special as uh, as voted on by our Patreon backers. More on them in yeah. a second. Uh, so the options were, Ethan, you brought... I brought Blair Witch. Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Megan brought Poltergeist. Yeah. Uh, Georgia brought Rocky Horror. Yeah. Liam brought The Lost Boys. And I brought Shaun of the Dead. You did. And so those are up for public consumption in the vote over on our Patreon page. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm done talking about The Lost Boys. I can go ahead and just pivot and go, <laughs> what's this Patreon speak? Well, we want to thank our friends yeah. of the podcast, our Patreon backers. I'm talking about Juline. Juline. Hermes. Hermes. James de Guzman, Lena Oberholzer, Lena Anthony Ian Davies, making it so. Chris Peterson, Peterson, Randall. What's your handle? What's Silver. your handle? Silver. Dwayne Smith, Dwayne Smith, the Yeatmeister, Yeet. Reverend Bruce. Heck yeah, Nate the Great. He is great. Andy Dixon, Andy Dixon, Holly Callen, Holly Callen, cheesy with a fish on a bike. Indeed, uh, the next one would be our resident curmudgeon. Richard. That's right. Uh, we've got the cool cat himself. Ryan Kukets. And then we've got Dirk, but his friends call him. Diggler. Uh, shy Burger Freund, the shy guy. 
Shy, shy, shy. I can't remember the song. It just goes, shy guy, shy guy. Shy guy. <laughs> Steve from the Stew World Order. Sorry, a Stew from the Stew World Order podcast. Steve World Order. <laughs> Stew World Order. <laughs> Norfolk Domus himself. I have the Norfolk sound I haven't made yet. He would have seen that coming. And, of course, AJ from Nova Scotia, Canada. <laughs> And if you want to know how you can get your name butchered by the two of us in future episodes, and more importantly, keep the lights on here at the Studio of Awesomeness, as we bring that sweet, sweet BFE content from the microphone to your ears about two times a week, please consider joining the Patreon. Um, You can get in the door for as little as three British pounds. That's less than $4 US, five bucks Canadian. Other currencies are available. I'm told to ask what it is in yen, if that's what we usually do. Uh, I have no idea if, if the exchange rate stands true, but I've, oh. had, I've had my copy and pay sheet forever, yeah. about 541 yen. So yeah. hopefully the market hasn't crashed. Uh, <laughs> let's take a look uh, all around the world for a minute. Uh, and Ooh. I guess traveling starts at home because we were, uh, yeah. we were a top 50 podcast this week here in the UK. That's always quite nice. Oh, I like that. The UK, the US, very, very competitive markets. Um mm. Most of your podcasts that are produced come from these two nations, and therefore it's hard to, to make elbow room within that space. And it mm. takes a lot more downloads to reach um, a high chart number here, but it does in, in, in some other places. So uh, always good there. And then I wanted to close, because we've been charting this all month long. Where's our number one country going to be this month? Oh, yes, it's between. And it's usually between Australia, Australia drops the ball yeah. at the halfway mark. Australia remains at number one. Oh, they they heard us talking bad. This made me go back and look at some Australian figures just ju- just for the year. Just yeah. for the year. And I'd go, if you went back to May, Australia made 4% of our listenership. Now, listen to this increase since May. In June, it was just shy of 8% of our listenership. In oh, July, 12.25% of our listenership. August, it drops down to about 9%. September, 23% of our listenership. Oh, my God. As of yesterday, 39.75% of our listenership for the month. We need a trip to Australia. And this is spread all, all, I can break it down by region. Like, yeah, it's not just one person who's just gone nuts and down. Nah, far from it. Like, we got data from all over the country. So, g'day. To our Australian Aussie mates out there, and thanks for Waltz and Matilda with us. We really appreciate it, and hopefully, after me butchering that, um, you know, you're not you're not disconnecting or stopping your your, your subscribe button there. I'm throwing that it out there like a boomerang, praying it comes back to me. Paul Hogan style. So there we are. Thank you very much. Just wanted to bring a little attention to our Aussie mates. Thank you very much. Um, Love Aussie mates. A Foster's and a Tim Tam and a Vegemite sandwich on me. I've never gone to Australia. I'd really like to. I'd really want to go to I New love, Zealand I as love, well. So I, I, I love a Tim Tam. I figure Tim Tam's are my favorite. I figure I've got one trip out there. One, one of those plane, yeah. one of those plane journeys I've got in my life. That's it. One. Yeah. So I think one summer I will have to go and do. Oh, it'll be winter there. Oh, it sounds great. Um, I will have to do because I hate the, I hate this. I hate the summer. So the fact that it's there, winter is brilliant. So I'll have to do Australia and New Zealand in the same journey and maybe like japan maybe i can maybe i can do like a week in new zealand 
a week in Australia, a week in, in Japan, and then, and then pop back home and still have a couple of weeks to sort of reacclimatize. So that sounds good to me. That's that. There we go. Dream trip. Yeah. Dream trip. Maybe, maybe that'll be, maybe that'll be the the next big zero at the end of it. Who knows? Uh, let's. 20 yes <laughs> let's talk uh we, we we got a big zero coming up actually episode 200 is on the horizon oh felix has told me he's picked the perfect movie 300 the perfect movie for episode two 200 uh, he's yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's more clever i really hope episode 300 should we get there is not 300 <sighs> it just feels a little on the nose doesn't it i mean yeah i guess but if that's the case we should do bicentennial man for 200 I don't know if that's a hint or not. not Felix no. is dropping hints. <laughs> it's not Felix dropping hints. It's me dropping hints. I don't know. I'm just getting kind of whatever here. I could I could do a good Felix and pray. Oh. No. It's going to kill me. Um, I, I can already picture him like shaking his fist at this. I, I really appreciate how like under the radar he is. He just wants to like yeah. produce the pod. And he's, that's just, it. He's, he's off the grid. I he's hear he's off. just got a little farm. No, elect, no, no electricity candle lit. No internet. He tells me he listens to everything. Like, I, I get notes. I get notes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, there we are. Um, but, uh, speaking of our Patreon, speaking of of notes to give, I have the following note to give. Oh. Oh, do I have it? Actually, maybe I can, maybe I can uh, play this out just a little bit longer here. I think, I think I've got a way around this. I'm hoping I do hoping i do um i'll tell you what i'm looking forward to do and i'm hoping this is something we'll be able to do in the, in the coming um days is i'm hoping to get out and see that new um see that new Ooh, Sc- scorsese yeah. film killers I, of the flower moon my uh my film history teacher was like i hated it which probably means i'm gonna like it i think it's scorsese is gonna go one or two yeah. ways isn't it? yeah um it depends what kind of scorsese you want it feels like this is a bit more uh nuanced is the word i'm looking for but more i've heard it's slower paced than like his usual stuff which makes sense for a three and a half hour film like that yeah i think so i think so oh do i have it do i have it oh i think i might oh this is hopefully this will be worth it (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea if it is Uh, nor have i tested this out so i hope it's not profane oh so many (laughs) things what am i doing here here we are I throw out there. I'll just change it before we do Loki again. Because I've put it in the spot for Loki. There we are. All right. So we have to give the following message out on behalf of one Yeet Meister. We would say the following to you. Yeah, happy birthday, happy birthday, 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 woo. Uh, and birthday, 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 woo, woo, woo. <laughs> 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 we can keep that. <laughs> There it is. We did keep that. So it's a happy birthday <laughs> to Yeet from all of us. Day of record, day, sorry, day of release is the birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So if you're Yeet. listening to this on day one, everybody go out there. If you're part of the Patreon, part of the group chat, part of whatever, find Yeet and wish him a happy birthday. Birthday, birthday. birthday. Yeah, he was woo, kind woo, enough woo. to join me for uh, a couple of uh, Cedar Skippets earlier in the year. We did uh, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers and Dungeons and Dragons together. So there we are. Happy birthday! See, now that I've seen both of those, I can actually go and listen to those love fully. Yeah, yeah, we, we've got we've got thoughts. We definitely got mm. thoughts. He knows more about Dungeons and Dragons than I did, which yeah. was very helpful. Actually, it was his recommendation. He was like, "Is anybody going to do something on this?" And I was bored. I was like, "Yeah, all right, let's go ahead and do it." So there we are. 
Um, mailbag remains open. We're looking at doing one in November. Hashtag AskBFE. That, of course, is on the Twitter. Ah. They can make us want to call it X. It just sounds stupid. You can. What's what's the verb? You can X me. Yeah, someone. Just like, you you don't tweet. You X post and. You know, you, know what, you know what an ex post sounds like? It doesn't sound like something family friendly. <laughs> I will tell you that. Indeed. And the way that all the bots seem to be on Twitter, they definitely think that X posting is the way to go. X marks the spot, indeed. Yeah. Uh, so there we are. Uh, so let's do some reflections. And corrections. There we go. I've got here down Ian's personal thoughts on The Last Samurai. I think I shared a bunch of them already. I really just enjoy having Hermes on. Mm. And he brings films usually that have a very keen kind of philosophical perspective and get me thinking about things that I hadn't thought of. And I really enjoy it when I haven't seen them before, which was another case in this case. So there we go. So uh, we will do another lottery in the future. It was very successful. Mm. Uh, it was nice to see the, uh, the 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 Twitter group chat, which uh, everyone has access to when they join the Patreon. Plug, plug, plug. So um, <laughs> it was like people were, were were sort of sharing with each other what their picks were, and I was like, I don't know how. Like three quarters of these films, I'm like, I have no idea. I've never seen these films. I don't know what to expect. Um, but according to Hermes, he said they were all bangers. So we would have been okay no matter what got chosen. So mm. we'll do another one in, in the future. I've already marked it in. Um, my notes for when I have my next meeting with, with uh, Felix about scheduling. So there we are. <laughs> I'll say this. Numbers are booming. It's been a good week. That's good. So thank you, everybody out there, for getting your uh, weekly dose of the BFE, or in some cases, multiple weeks' doses of the BFE. It was uh, like three last week, which is always fun. Yeah, and it's weird. I mean, the stuff that was there. I mean, when we released it, I mean, obviously, the, the episode itself will bring up a, a spike for the day. But, you know, remove, you know, if, if if X is the total number of downloads and Y is the number of downloads for that episode, when X minus Y is still like a considerable amount, when X is three or four times what Y is, it's been a good day. It means that mm. people have used this theoretically as a gateway to try out some other episodes for the first time. So that's always good. So yeah, uh, fun. thanks a lot, folks. Uh, let's go ahead and give some thoughts here to Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who says she may have lost the voice, but Megs is still doing it. Hashtag Mike Talk. Hashtag Fifty Shades. <laughs> I, would, I would like to, I guess, a reference to my uh, drooping microphone, which is, uh, which is still fixed now. So there we go. We managed to, uh, despite all the, uh, all the subtext, we did manage to get the microphone uh, fixed. So there we are. I'd forgotten about that, that trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Hermes, uh, he wanted to point out, we talked a lot about uh, people who um, stab themselves in, in the stomach and in their own yeah. life. And Hermes got a hold of so just because we talked about it so much, just wanted to make sure. And we, we, we retweeted this out. The term yeah. for ending one's life in dishonor is called, I believe it's pronounced seppuku. So, seppuku. I think it's either that or seppuku. I've always called oh, it seppuku. seppuku. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. But I'm not like the the go to terminologist on this one. So my Japanese pronunciation is usually pretty good because I worked yeah. in, in a car factory that was run by Japanese executives, and there was a fair amount of discussion. Um, but I could definitely be wrong here. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to some shout outs of the more I don't want to say vanilla. I don't even want to say. Um, 
less than. I just want to say general. Attend, huh? There we are. <laughs> so some general shout outs. We got Kev from the podcast that wouldn't die. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, again, a reminder, we're going to be... Um, we're going to be going, um, announcing our Halloween pick at the end of this week's review. Russell Posty said, you said at the end of the episode you thought there was at least one Halloween pick I'd be up for. I've got to say I'd be up for all of them apart from Blair Witch. Dude, if Blair Witch wins, i got a story to share. I, because it, It's a more my opinion film oh, I've discovered. This last geez. week, since, we, since I said my pick, I've, I've heard either I love it or I hate it. I've heard nothing else. I was the perfect age when this came out. This was yeah. aimed at me because it's like, what, like 98, 99? I, I think. I went with high school friends, so I can't yeah. be, I can't, can't be in late, uh, 98, 97 feels right. So I gotta be like 19 years of age, right? 99, yeah. 99, there we are. So I'm, I'm 19, 20 years of age, and it's like, you know, this, it's, a, it's the perfect thing. And I'm just, I remember we had to sit in the front row because it was packed. It was packed yeah. because it was the, there was this, um, what should we call it? Urban legend that yeah. it was real. And uh, as a result of that, and the internet didn't exist. You didn't kind of log on and find it. Well, it existed, but not like it does today. So you couldn't yeah. go on to YouTube and be like, you know, urban myth dispelled. <laughs> it just got well, out TikTok there. Where it's, yeah. Yeah. So there was, and also the one guy going around telling everybody, you couldn't disprove him in an argument. They were just, if they were louder, people would just probably listen to that yeah. person. So it blew my up. Cousins, my cousin's friend who lives in a, in a van told me that it was real and he saw it on a VHS tape. I remember telling people, yeah, there's no way the families of these people sign off on letting it be released for commercial profit. There's no way. Activity. Plus, the actor's on Ellen. The actor is on Ellen. <laughs> I saw them, and you couldn't point Not it up. It didn't exist. You couldn't look it up yeah. on YouTube or on Catch on the Plus One. None of this existed. So if it wins, I got lots to say about that. Uh, let's go with an apology from last year's gift of the week for me. I forgot to mention there was a gift from Dwayne Smith. It Dwayne ki- Smith. That's right. Our word was, was steel and he produced a, yeah. a gift from steel magnolias. Now, because of that, I didn't tweak that it was steel magnolias. Oh. Uh, I just tweaked. I went, what is this in reference to? And just kind of let it be. Um, for the record, it's a close up on someone's backside and says something like it's like two squirrels fighting inside a bag of potatoes or something like that. And it's from Steel Magnolia. It's a funny joke, but it doesn't beat Blue Steel. So I'm just saying that. Uh, so there we are. A, a good entry, but Blue Steel still wins. So time for this week's gift of the week. And the word was sake. Sake. Uh, we had some people who got creative. And we had some people who just got lazy. Um, Josh G. Uh, it says hit the button. Why am I hitting the button? All right, I'm gonna hit the button anyway. I'm, I'm it's past me, told future me, or I don't know if this is maybe a note from Felix, but to hit the button. There's a mistake. I think I made. Hit the button. Uh, apparently, it's a shot from the Tonight Show and Chris Martin. Uh, Chris, Jimmy Fallon, Chris Martin, and they're asking for more rice wine. I guess technically that is what sake is, but I, I guess, I guess, uh, Andy Dixon had a really good one with a sake bomb where it was a bunch of sake shots lined up and they just knocked them all over, which was great. Dirk, <laughs> but his friends call him Diggler has a shot of Loki saying, Oh, for heaven's sake. 
that's clever. Mm, but it's sake though, isn't it? It's not sake. I know visually you could go sake. I yeah. like the tie-in to Loki. It's a good one. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Had Phoebe from Friends. Always a good choice to go with some friends. Screaming about picking up the sock. You needed something with the A. So he's going to hate this. But winner for the second consecutive week is Hermes Oslander, (laughs) who gave us. I was told it was Ray. Who gave us Austin Powers saying, Sake it to me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So we will sake it to you indeed. Winner, winner. Sake dinner. Two on the trot. Hashtag. And now he won't get another one until 2020. Hashtag gift of the week legend. There we go. So, uh, you know, just thought I'd give a review of his gift. And while you're in the mood for reviews, why not leave us a review? Apple or Spotify. I hear five stars is a nice number. Five is the magic number. Indeed it is is i'm trying to set up the next drop checking in with the morning report can we talk about this for two minutes i don't have anything but i think you do ethan i yeah i've got a couple uh we talked about one on loki and i think you you had a book uh arrive so i think we're doing more yeah. of an in-depth discussion on on uh marvel studios soon but uh we used to do a doctor who podcast and we probably will return that at some point but uh the 60th anniversary is next month and the first ever episode is no longer under the rights uh the bbc don't have the rights the first ever episode of doctor who full stop is now the first ever episode from 1963 nearly 60 years old the not just the first the first four episodes the first story called An Unearthly Child, it's no longer in possession of the BBC to show on streaming. Because that was their big present for Doctor Who fans. What a strange oh, it's an amazing time story. to live in, in the sense that, because if I recall correctly, the rights of this have restored, because you were going on about it in the group chat, and I was yeah, just kind of going like, yeah, I'll, I'll dip back in when this is over. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I believe I saw the, the rights have, re- have gone back to the writers, yeah, so the way that it used to be done, uh, at least in the 60s for Doctor Who, was whoever wrote the story would have the rights to it, uh, and the characters or creatures alongside it. So What a great idea! Oh, it's amazing. Like, they got 60 years out of it, so the yeah. corporation can do whatever it wants for 60 years, but then let's give the rights to the individual who came up with the oh, car. They, now the they've always had the, they've always had those right. The, the writer has always had those rights. Is the thing okay? So um, the Daleks were created by someone called yeah. Terry Nation. He, yeah, he gets a name drop every time they use the Daleks. Yeah. yeah. So the Terry Nation estate have the rights not just to the Daleks, but the episode, the seven episode serial the daleks which is the second ever story mm. so if the bbc want to uh release it on something like britbox or now at least in the uk for uh bbc iplayer every episode of classic doctor who is now going to be available for free with the technicality of you paying for your tv license but you can watch every episode now of doctor who available through that but it just means the bbc go hey terry nation estate you 
your dad wrote the Daleks. Can we release the episode? And they go, yeah, sure, of course. If you let us have a Dalek episode for shoot you or something. That's usually how they then negotiate. Now, the first ever episode was written by someone called Tony Coburn or Anthony Coburn, known as Tony by his son. And um, the fun thing about this is he wrote a completely different story for an earthly child. And only four lines that he wrote made it to the final script because the first pilot of Doctor Who uh, before the real one that we see now was shit canned by the BBC and they went, this is terrible. You need to redo this. So only four of his lines that he wrote survived to make the final cut. The next three episodes in this unearthly child story weren't written by him, but for whatever reason, it went to him. And he always felt that he was, you know, done a disservice and he wasn't given the money because technically he, according to him, he created the term TARDIS and it was created by Verity Lambert, the producer. But that's always disputed and argued about. And so it's not my, not, not my prerogative right now. Careful. We're getting a little bit in the weeds here for, for yeah, Doctor exactly. Who. So exactly. So some terminology from Doctor Who was allegedly created by this one guy and it's argued by other people. Um, now the writer's son, uh, Steph Coburn, and I am going to be as careful as I can about how I describe the next situation because he, 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 anything that can be defamation will will be and that that that's his business that's his business so i tread carefully now steph coburn believes that his father was cheated out of uh, a lot to do financially with the first ever episode like regardless of you know lines or how the episode was done and because of this he also um has some beliefs politically about the bbc in the terms of the, the, the term woke or communist or fascist all those terms thrown around a lot and covid vaccine stuff not not my business right now this is doctor who but because of this he's basically gone i'm not go- i i have a vendetta with the bbc oh so he's withholding them is he he's f- from the bbc specifically because of the bbc and he said recently as this has happened because obviously it's become public and all doctor who fans go why, why have you done this this just feels vindictive and he goes it is vindictive he said if he dies the rights to the episode go to the russian federation <laughs> it's, I, it's I, incredible I, I, I think he's being inflammatory <laughs> see i, I I don't know. It's it's just it's a very funny and awful situation. I just love. Yeah. I'd love to be there when someone informs um, Russell. Well, I was just say Vladimir. <laughs> Somehow now he's got the right. What's his niece? Wait, yeah. wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> to, I want someone to explain to him what Doctor Who is. <laughs> yeah, he's he's also not very fond of the fact that the incumbent Doctor following are uh, like bridge doctor is going to be a black man he's been he said that his father would be rolling in his grave incumbent's not the right word yeah our our soon-to-be doctor who's filming his second series as the doctor tonight the doctor elect if you will the doctor yeah the doctor elect we'll we'll be seeing next month because he's also in the 60th but his real thing is the christmas special his real uh premiere will be the christmas special this year which is cool we've got a christmas special Uh, that's good yeah 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 but the, the man who directed the first ever Doctor Who episode is a man called Waris Hussein. And he's found out about this and he's he's fuming. Um and also for the fact that Waris Hussein is a gay Indian man. So he's been going saying, You're saying that Doctor Who is now woke, it was started by a Jewish woman and a gay Indian man. 
this isn't like the legacy that we have but no very interesting for this for the 60th i i, I analogized it as if uh ub iwerks who wrote the who drew the first sketch for mickey mouse if his daughter this year for disney's 100th went i'm removing steamboat willie from disney plus to be spiteful what? it's that same thing of sure go ahead but no no one benefits from this and it's interesting you bring that up because we are in a very interesting time when the rights to things like steamboat willie are coming up yeah. Uh, Mickey Mouse in that version thereof. Uh, I was sitting there going, because uh, copyright law has been extended on a couple of occasions to benefit the Disney Corporation and Mickey Mouse. Mm. And that was before the internet was a thing. And my my read now, for what it's worth, is that the creator should have access to it for longer because no one saw digital technology and texts having life beyond um the the creator's lifetime when exactly. things were created i mean yeah you can get a copy of charles dickens a christmas carol now and it's out of copyright so i could you and i could make a version of it and sell it and so on and mm. so forth but those are words on a page as opposed to a visual that i can use now i mean the thing about the internet let alone memes you know what i mean like the, the ability like to winnie the pooh now winnie the pooh and with that, that whole all, horror all those, thing. All, those garbage horrors yeah yeah so um i'm I mean, it's not very often I would say something like this, but I'm in favor of the big corporation keep hanging on to their IP for longer because... The um, fun thing here... Go ahead. Because you said the big corporations. Uh, Disney have distribution rights now to Doctor Who outside of the UK. Globally, so, yeah. yeah, Doctor Who will be coming to Disney Plus if you're, you know, not in the UK, Northern Ireland, wherever. Um, so it means that Disney technically have a stake in this, so they yeah. could send some Disney lawyers down down the door and say, you're doing this for, like, bigoted reasons and also withholding for <sighs> literal spite, blah, blah, blah. Let's be honest here. Disney don't care about that Disney, side. They just care about Dis- the profit. Dis- no, not even that. Disney care about, like, the Eccleston era onward. What If we were to look at numbers for, the B, for, the, for like, these episodes, I guarantee <laughs> you... Very few. If we didn't have, if it, a, if it wasn't the 60th, I mean, you want to have the yeah. first. I get that. But, you know, how many people are really going that far deep? Or do we just want to see the doctor and the sexy sidekick? Because I think that's pretty much the era we live in now. Not, see, see, not, not the old man and his granddaughter. I'm not entirely sure because obviously I don't you're, know. You're so of, you're so deep within it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so deep. That, that's the other thing. I'm, I'm a bit. I'm a big Doctor Who. I have a signed photo from Katie Manning and John Pertwee like next to me. Like I, I love the era of Doctor Who. Um. But yeah, I, I think the way that they're doing it, they seem to be kind of trying to link it because they're going, oh, we've got classic characters and Disney Plus can then go, oh, if you like this character from the new shooty season, maybe you want to see her first episode with Colin Baker or whatever. Streaming money. It, 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 it's infinitely printing. Excellent. Speaking of infinite, besides the length of our <laughs> two minute diversion, let's just take a look at... That's right. We're talking about our fantasy football, shall we? Oh, I should have done weight game, weight game. Let's all do the weight game. Uh, I had no loss, no loss, no gain. I swore when I jumped on the scale because I'm like, no, I know I've been good. And uh, then I went home and uh, nature took its course. And I was like, oh, shoot, I should have done that before I weighed in. So, (laughs) you know, such is. Lesson learned. Amazing. Uh, I'm not weighing in tomorrow because, uh, or Tuesday, because I'm... uh, I'm on holiday, so I'm going to enjoy my week off. Uh, Let's take a look here. Uh, The BFE went three and two this week. Uh, Quick highlights. I beat Nate the Great by less than four points. So there we are. (laughs) But a win is a win. Um, Stu beat Liam by over 40 points. 
Megan oh. defeated James de Guzman, who's still winless by about a dozen points. Um, and then the big one, Ethan beat Georgia <laughs> by 0.72 of a point. A win is a win. Is a win. And I, ha- I will say I had no defense that, that week. I know you uh, d- because, yeah. It's quite often you have no defense, my friend. But uh, um, there was a change that you made while we were live on air. Yeah. And I feel dreadful that my <laughs> intervention has led to a change in the standings there. I stopped George's streak. And I, I was like, well, I'm going to lose anyway, so I'll just do this, and I can at least pretend that I did something. I don't deserve to have won that, and I, I stand by that. Fantasy's a cruel mistress, what can I oh, say? So there As we were, were recording, it was like, Ethan, 2% chance to win. And then I looked up, like, maybe a morning after, and it was like, Ethan, 99% to win. And yeah. I kind of I swore. And I remember I, I woke up, because I have, I got, I should have mentioned, this is my talk, this is, I got a case of the gout. Ooh. And it's been painful. I can imagine. Like I, I get it. I'm a bigger fella, but uh, you know, I, I, people say, "That's what King Henry VIII got." And I'm like, "Well, I hope it's because we're both regal and not because <laughs> we're both overweight men." King uh, John Un got that because he ate loads of cheese. Although I, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a whole bunch of sashimi, and I'm wondering if that had something to do with it. Apparently, it's about the Ooh, purine, yeah. the purine levels. So I need to make sure I'm flushing myself with like tons of water when I'm eating sashimi in the future. Because it's not worth this. It's not as no, good as it no. was. And it was fantastic. I went to a fishmonger for the first time. I got fish, not from a grocery store, but from a professional fishmonger. And it was amazing. But it's not worth <laughs> the worst bout I've ever. Usually I have it. It lasts four days. And then it doesn't happen again for two years. And I'm like, all right, that's my trade-off. I can live with that. You suffer for your I have been unable to really walk the last three days. Uh, I'm walking on the on my heel on my left foot. Thank God it. Well, I would have to call off work. I, I would have, because usually it's supposed to happen. You wake up in the middle of the night, which it did, <laughs> and then um, with a pain in your foot, and then you're like, all right, you make it through day one, and then it's supposed to get easier as you go along. It's like it went. No, no, we're gonna make it easier after a couple of days, and then we're going in for bout two. Ooh. Here we go. And I was like, I'm not doing. I was. I've been researching. I probably wasn't drinking enough water, but still. So it's been absolute agony to the point where I thought I was going to have to call the doctor today, which I never do. I'm not really a call the doctor kind of guy. But I woke up having slept in and uh, missed my window to call in. In in England, at least where I am, you have to call in the morning, and then they'll let you know if they have a spot later in the day. It's really odd. It's like a 20-minute slot, and if you miss that, you miss that. Even if you call up, because so many people have to do the same thing. In Canada, you just sort of rock up to the doctors. You just wait your turn. Mm, we used and eventually to that, someone will get yeah this of, is like a post-covid thing i i don't yeah. like it oh it's awful i hate it but um but then i woke up and i was like oh i feel actually really really good because this part where like like you don't even you can't even stand the the weight of like a comforter on your foot at night oh like it's God. oh yeah, yeah like, like that's it's not about it's just about kind of it's about flexibility it's about pressure mm-hmm. and then you, you my foot also like blew up a bit to the point where like my skin was hurting like i was trying to contain the mass of my foot oh, oh it's been brutal so i touch it now there's a little bit of discomfort there and i probably i couldn't put my my, my weight on it to walk properly but it's about i don't know 40 percent of what it was yesterday like it was oh it was in a God. bad bad way throughout where i'm going is there actually something else wrong with me 
because I thought I knew this. I was like, no yeah. selling it. Like, no, nah, it'll be four days. I'll be fine. I'm walking on. No, I got half term coming up. I said, make it to the weekend. I'll be okay. Oh, it's been rough. So why have I brought that up? I don't know. But I brought it up. Anyway. I think we're, we're just in our feelings. We're, we're, we're talking about fantasy football. I don't yeah. know what the point was of it. But anyway, so um, such is. But yeah, the, it, the, it fact was that, a week. the fact that my interference led to yeah. you beating Georgia, I do feel guilty. Maybe this is my punishment. Uh, <laughs> James DeGuzman is 0-6, but in his most mm-hmm. recent loss, I think it was to Megs, he would have beaten the following. So he beat, that was it, Megs beat him. Here's the yeah. members of the BFE he would have beaten last week. Ethan, Liam, Georgia, Ian. Oh, he would wow. have beat every one of us. And this is why I said fantasy's a cruel mistress, because you'd never know. Okay. So on that note, this week, uh, Ethan's lined up 13 to play Andy Dixon, 13 versus nine. Liam at 15 is up to play number one back in the saddle again. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Yeah. Uh, Meg's five is playing Ryan Kuket's four. Oh, and usually I'd say that's the game of the week, but the game of the week can't be that because game of the week is Ian three versus Georgia two. So it's all guns loaded. Georgia's messaged me going, I think you're going to beat me. Like half her team's out. Like her team's rough. Oh rough. She sent me a screen cap of her options. She managed to field the team, but but it's 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 rough. I'm going to have to go. I picked up a quarterback only a couple hours ago. So everyone who's going on about how they can't find a second quarterback, I got one. <laughs> I got one on by. I found one just sitting there. And I'm like, why is no one else? Is no one else checking on game day to see who's playing? Because I went ahead and went, oh, Tyrod Taylor's available. I'll pick him up. He'll be starting for uh, the Giants against uh, whoever the Giants are playing. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be very good. But he's better than just running a third-rate wide receiver in there, which is what I would have had to do otherwise. So, mm. such is. So, there we are. A side note, BFE Invitational, uh, I, uh, I beat Ed from the Film Effect. Didn't think I was going to, but I did. And then I play number one, the effing nerd. So, I got, two, I got two, two big matchups on behalf of the BFE this week. So, there we are. Let's go ahead and jump into the reason why we turned on the recording machine today. That is life is beautiful. A, a public service announcement. We were supposed to be joined by Stu from the Stu yeah. World Order podcast. Unfortunately, there was a um, unforeseen um, family commitment that, that popped mm. up, and uh, he got a hold of me in plenty of time. He warned me a week out. Look, this might have to happen, and I went, "Yeah, no problem. We got family comes first. Yeah. And then it came through. No, no, it definitely has to happen. And we're like, yeah, well, it's fine. We'll have, we'll, we'll gladly have Stu on another time when we're short a couple of people. Because uh, Stu's good peeps. I've known Stu. He's, oh, yeah. he's part of the uh, sort of our, our squad, if you will. I think there's yeah. about a, there's about eight or so podcasts out there who we kind of roll as a group. We're the kind of like our Avengers. <laughs> I wonder if each of us can have our own our own person. I I, I totally want to be Cap. I don't want to be, see, I'd like to be ca- just so morally driven. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to Iron Man, who's just like effortlessly cool. I don't think that's me. I don't know who that would be in the group, but it's not me. Effortlessly cool. I'm a little bit smug. Oh, if you're, yeah, if you're Tony, absolutely. There's a yeah. little bit of, I want to punch you in the face energy there, <laughs> but you got to be a leader as well. It's those two different yeah. types of leadership. 
and caps unshakable. You know what I mean? Like no matter what the no matter what the ramifications, going. he mm. will do it because he believes it. Now he might change his opinion, but whatever he settled on, that is what he thinks is right. He will never mm. act out of what he out of the belief of where he believes right to be. So there's that, you know. But we you know, other people like, you know, Ed from the film effect, God bless those boys. And I think they have a girl on their on their pod now these days. Um, you know, Josh G for next favorite movie. Oh yeah. Um, Kevin, the podcast that wouldn't die. Uh, I feel like I keep uh, Carlo, of course. Carlo, geez, yeah. come on, come on. And Stu's, Stu's part of that. And Stu's part mm-hmm. of that. Our friends over at Spy Hards, they do great. They might be, they might be Iron Man, although they're quite, they're quite grounded as well. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great group we've got and that we're part yeah. of. And as Iron Sharpens Iron, man, there, the, there goes what we want to do. So, um, but today we're doing, Life is beautiful. And I forget why Felix told me this was on the docket, if I'm being honest. Uh-huh. It's not an anniversary, I don't believe. No, if there was an anniversary, it would be next year. It would be next year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know what's happened there. But somehow I ended up on the docket. And it was like, all right. Uh, I know he makes these up years in advance, so I'm sure he had a reason at the time. Maybe it was because it was so, – I imagine what might have happened is it might have been pushed a little bit closer to, to Remembrance Day. Oh. And that has been something else popped Maybe. up, but it pushed it back. I have no idea. I have no idea. But – Let's take a look at this, shall we? So I've hit this button here with Felix's comments. When an open-minded Jewish waiter and his son become victims of the Holocaust, he uses a perfect mixture of will, humor, and imagination to protect his son from the dangers around their camp. All right, heavy, heavy. The way Felix makes that sound, it sounds like such like a a heartfelt, like, funny 2000s comedy. Yeah, jeez, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, directed and co-written by Roberto Benigni, um, who was the director, writer, and actor. Uh, he played Pinocchio in the 2002 version of Pinocchio. Oh. He was also the actor in the 2019 version of Pinocchio, <laughs> where, he played, oh, the- where he plays Mr. Geppetto. Is that the game? No, the game of Del Toro one came out like, last year pinocchio too many pinocchio's, pinocchio's yeah. here's the problem when things come out of copyright you can do whatever you want right it's like peter pan one. does the world really yeah. need another peter pan movie the answer is always no no we don't a peter pan movie came out this year and i didn't know about oh, it and it was a disney one it was a there. disney one with yep. jude law and i'd never i didn't even know it released yep magic uh co-written by vincenzo Sarami who also did the 2002 version of pinocchio cinematography by tonino delicoli who did uh, his, his his is much better as far as his MO. Okay, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, that's good. Once upon a time in the West, and also Sallow or the Hundred Twenty Days of Sodom. That's the full title: Sallow or Hundred Twenty Days of Sodom. Oh my! Uh, worst movie, worst movie as far as just content. I was forced to watch that I've ever seen in my life. Wow, it's I don't by, actually know what that one is about. By Pasolini, it's another uh, Italian-based Holocaust film. But where this one played it kind of light, nah. This that that one just hurts. Oh, it's not even like you don't even have like the comfort of narrative in that film. It's just you're watching people suffer, and then it just that, ends. Not, I know that's supposed to be like art, if you're high show, art and if, the, yeah, if you're going to show me a Holocaust film, don't make it be nihilist at the same time. And it really did come across as not, oh, it was, it was, you need to believe there's meaning in something. And instead, yeah. they basically go, look at all the atrocities that happened. We're going to show you the, we're not going to infer anything. We're going to show you the atrocities. And then, yep, the movie's over. And we're like, what? 
So what a fun time film can be when dealing with subject matters like that. Yeah, I'm just plugging in the laptop, so uh, I was hoping you'd keep talking just to touch long. Sorry, I did see I shot my I, eyes. I, I, I literally moved my head out of the shot to go, this will this will help cue him, but no. Um, I was like, okay, just have, have an eye shot for a second. There's some sleep you were gone. I'll say this. Um, Life is Beautiful was that guy's final film. Oh, okay. Cinematographer. This is his last one, which is a pretty good one to go out on. Yeah. Music by Nicola Piavani, and I have nothing from Western cinema that seemed to... Um, come out from her she's got a very okay. long career but uh it seems to all be in italian cinema so the first time i saw this me was this weekend uh yeah same for me would have been uh like sunday so yeah this weekend there we go so uh let's do some context corner uh director roberto benini wrote the screenplay with vincenzo sarami i uh, was inspired by the story of rubino romeo simoni in sorry salmoni in his book uh, in, which was titled In the End I Beat Hitler which incorporated elements of irony and black comedy into his story Salmoni was an Italian Jew who was deported to Auschwitz survived and was reunited with his parents but found his brothers were murdered Benini stated he wished to commemorate Salmoni as a man who wished to live in the right way he also based it on the stories of his father Luigi Benini who was a member of the Italian army after Italy became a co-belligerent of the Allies in 1943 Luigi spent two years in a Nazi labor camp, and to avoid scaring his children, he told them about his experiences using humor, and he found this helped him cope with his memories. Roberto Benini explained his philosophy, quote, to laugh and cry, sorry, to laugh and to cry come from the same point of the soul, no? I'm a storyteller. The crux of the matter is to reach beauty, poetry. It doesn't matter if that is a comedy or a tragedy. They're the same if you reach this beauty. And his friends advised against making the film because he's a comedian and also because he's not Jewish. And that the Holocaust was not of interest to his established audience because they're expecting comedy. Uh, Because he's a Gentile, meaning not Jewish, Benini consulted with the Center for Documentation of Contemporary Judaism based in Milan throughout production. Benini incorporated historical inaccuracies in order to distinguish his stories from the true Holocaust about which he said only documentaries interviewing survivors could provide truth. And there's an interesting Hmm. thing, because I I frequently say, if you want to get your history about something, maybe the big movie isn't where you get it from. Yeah. There are are things... This movie doesn't pretend to be a documentary. No, it's its its own different story. It's a very... Well, I'm I'm trying not to skip to the end, but obviously this is because of a certain perspective that this film technically has it's in a more childish like yep. dumbed down version the same way that when a kid learns about world war Two, it's very different to what i learned when i did like a levels or like a higher grade of, of education because you know it, it's different different tones for different ages indeed uh let's begin the deep dive i got my first one going the hard time i had watching this and I'd, li- <laughs> I'd like to say I'm referring to the subject matter. It was impossible to find this film. Uh, maybe I got I'm, really lucky. Maybe I've become arrogant. Maybe I have. And the idea that everything should be reachable. I punch in Amazon should. Prime and I hit the, the movie title and it's very rare that I can't find it. And mm. I couldn't find this on any of my traditional elements. Not, not, not on Netflix, not on Prime, not, not even on YouTube video. I don't yeah. mind paying for it. That's fine. I had to sign up 
for a Sky Cinema account. Oh, yeah. And watch it. And I got news for you. Theirs is the least friendly um, visual platform to watch things in. Uh, because when you pause it, it punches up a little blue bar about a third of the way through the page that has the um, sort of uh, timeline. We have the ability yeah. to place your cursor so you can move forward and backwards in time. Now, let's you jump forward 30 seconds or jump backward 30 seconds, which is also a pain, but I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> this is a foreign language film. So if I'm stopping because I want to get down what's being said, and the minute I hit oh, pause, gosh. that blue bar covers where the subtitles are. And it doesn't like make it go up. No, like other just, streaming services no, have it, discovered it, it, it doesn't. Decades. It doesn't take it and like and like change the aspect ratio and squeeze it just a touch. So no, oh. no, no, it goes. So I was like, and especially in a movie where I don't know the characters, you know, I don't know the actors that well. Yeah. And like if it was on Prime, I'd have hit pause. It would have told me who everybody was. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that would have been great. None of that. And because it was forward thirty seconds or backwards thirty seconds, anytime I needed to go back over it, I had to rewind thirty seconds to make the notes and then sometimes it would buffer and sometimes it would just not play so i had to go back back forward back forward oh this two-hour viewing experience probably took me over four hours to watch and make notes oh oh my god i got lucky because i study film at university and as part of that um we have this little thing called box of broadcast which is a website and you can find any film or TV show you, you need. So because I do TV studies, it's easy for that if I don't like have the streaming service or I don't want to pay to watch the film. Now, it means that sometimes the quality is different because it will say like, I don't know, Glee, Ed, episode taken from 2010 or something. This was from BBC4 on in 2002. But I still got it. Yeah. But but that 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 was like because I was like I could rent it on Sky like you did and I'm glad I didn't for that reason and I just I I was just like I was going through a class and I went just 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 to like humor it if, let me try this if anybody is listening who has any links to the Sky platform if you work for Sky you have the, the is a terrible you have the anyway. single worst um interface mm. of any of the major uh, platforms out there it is so bad it would cause me to actively look somewhere else rather than because I'm, I'm about trying to do things legally you know what i mean if it's yeah. there i want to pay for it that's fine if it's available please let me pay for this and but when you call oh, like- it was it was just such a negative viewing experience so i went in grumpy i feel like i was like ah. Yeah. Oh, and especially when you've got, well, we'll talk about mile a minute, Roberto Benini in a second, because, jeez. <laughs> anyway, let's get, let's continue on. So I've got Miramax and all those problems. So uh, whenever I see, I can't help it when I see Miramax, I go, oh, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just can't help it. It's, ve- it's very much sullied it. Yeah, it, ha- it has. It has. And I'm hoping that the, I've got a big fish I'd love to land for a future yeah. episode and if i can get them i do want to because it's about a minimax film i do want to yeah. ask them and i'll give them the question ahead of time although look there's a question i want to ask it would be this very rarely do i give people a list of questions but i'm like i would like to ask this if i could and yeah. the question is does it change things does it change how you feel about the film because being attached to the film and as great as you think the film is 
you're never going to remove the Harvey Weinstein element from it. Yeah. And it's just a really interesting question. I'd love to hear someone who's on the inside go, how have you managed to compartmentalize this or not compartmentalize this? Uh, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. So uh, also it's made by uh, Chechi Gori Group, for what it's worth, uh, because Miramax clearly just had international global distribution rights uh, outside yeah. of Italy, I would assume. And we're told by the um, by the narrator, this is a simple story, but not an easy one to tell. Like a fable, there is sorrow, there is wonder, and happiness. And we're transported to, I don't know if it's Arezzo or Arezzo, Italy, 1939 and my first note i've got is i already miss amazon prime who is this speaking <laughs> i have no idea um i've got my nose whenever i hit the pause in the sky store a blue bar comes up on the screen blocking the subtitles this is going to be very helpful uh the speaker's name is ferruccio and he's telling an animated story to a passenger whose face is covered um i've got my notes i hadn't even seen the main character yet like if there's a stereotype about 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 italians and 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 how they speak this movie went let's steer all the way into the stereotype oh they they it's very um i don't know if eccentric's the word to use or performative uh pantomime-esque yeah it's very over the top um and it turns out the brakes are gone in the car and someone is roused from their sleep or at least their distraction and the two men panic about the car and even the person doing the subtitles skips their job for a bit because they just panic <laughs> and i'm like are they going to update any of this it's like nope and then eventually we get we're going to die and i'm like okay so all that stuff in between don't worry about it and they go off the road convinced of their imminent death and i see mountains in the background as i'm told the name of the director who is also our main character, Meet Guido Orofas, played by Roberto Benini. It's a very B- Roberto Benini film. Well, I don't know anything else about Roberto Benini. Have you seen, have you seen he, anything else about Roberto Benini? No, but I'm just meaning as like directed, written. Oh, starring. yeah. He is the face. He's an auteur, I think, clearly is what I got from this. Yeah. Is the idea he is the driving force. He's the director. He's the screenwriter. He's also the lead character. So without question, the tone of this film is primarily down to him you could argue solely down to him because he oh, had yeah, control he over every step yeah so you know I, I teach about auteurism in the a-level courses and we talk about billy wilder and we talk about spike lee uh, i think roberto benini has got to be on on a short list of these sorts of guys we were talking about scorsese just earlier in the episode mm. and scorsese is an auteur without question oh yeah but we have this and we're going all right i feel just from watching this i could tell you what most benini films feel like I think so. I think I could go ahead and go. I bet you this is a trope. I bet you this is a trope. Yeah. Or a signature of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, He orders the car to come to a stop as they find the road again. But the roads end up being full of people. And they're lined up because they think the king's coming over. So he stands up and tries to tell them to move, but his arm movement comes <laughs> off like a Nazi salute. And they and they all respond. He's got the sash on him somehow from the, all the things. Yeah. And they think he's the king. It's a very funny visual joke. Oh, it, it, this was sort of like, this, obviously I was always going, oh, so this is how we start. Okay, maybe this isn't going to be like what I expected. <laughs> this is very like early. I don't know if like... Um, if you ever watch like the uh, what are they called, uh, come away with what are they the uh, that is like a British 
carry, yeah, yeah. The carry on film carry on. is very much that style of like joke joke a minute laugh a minute yep. kind of like let's keep like no breathing room for for gags you know what it's kind of muppetask in that regard like always have a joke yeah. you're building to and it's a dangerous game i rather liked the the it was impossible to take notes on but yeah. <laughs> i rather liked the fast-paced joke mini scene element here yeah uh, afterwards the driver we, we cut they finally come to a stop the driver is trying to be helped by guido well sorry guido's trying to help but the driver just wants to leave him alone for 10 minutes so he can fix the car after reviewing the film i get the idea where you might want 10 minutes where guido's not talking in your ear yeah just a little bit yeah i get that but he meets this girl and he's a mile a minute he's uh he's hello pretty girl and he claims to be the prince and we'll swap he's like are you really the prince he's like absolutely i can do whatever i want i might swap out the cows for camels but i have to leave and feet and and sorry and meet the princess and just when he's done saying that we meet the princess this woman (laughs) falls out literally falls into his arms from above she wants to know if she hurt him and uh, yes yeah good morning princess yeah and he says he's never been better. And she says, I tried to explain. I was trying to burn down a wasp nest. And they stung me. And he goes, oh, you got stung by a wasp. And she points to kind of her knee. Yeah. And then he kisses the leg to suck out the poison. <laughs> and it's a repetitive thing. And he's he's, he's he's doing the kiss and doing the spit and doing the kiss and doing the spit. The, the, the joke being, oh, no, I'm getting no pleasure yeah. from this. But I think the joke is I'm absolutely getting pleasure from yeah. this. And you know I'm getting pleasure from this. But I think the appeal and the charm is of his commitment to the bit. And oh, I yeah, like I would a, he's a jokester. I would go this would be appealing to the right kind of woman to sort of have this happen. Again, I'm gonna say not exactly counteracting any existing stereotypes. No. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? And I know I, people are like, oh, he's been, ca-. He's, he's not, he's a cartoon character. Pepe Le Pew, in that sense, yep. like, he is, he is just constantly rapid trying to put the charm on. Pepe Le Pew has not been cancelled. He's just a little bit of a flirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all right. Cause they're fictional characters. Like, if you're getting your tips, he's on, a skunk. If you're getting your tips on how, and plus, Pepe Le Pew in every cartoon is punished for his, for his pursuits. Yeah. He's not the hero. He's 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 never been shown to like everything he's in. Everyone's either eye rolling or he or he ends up her. It's like going Wiley Coyote is the yeah. good guy, the Road Runner yeah. is the bad. No. I always cheered for Wiley Coyote, dude. That bird got on my nerves. <laughs> okay, you're the exception in, yeah. the, in that example. I'm like the guys. How much how much of his money has he put into this pursuit? I'm gonna. I'm, he might. He might. It's either that or he's got like really, really good like abilities at creation. The one I liked with that, there was a series of them, but there was like a dog whose job it was to protect the road runner from him, and they would clock in at the start of the de- of the shift using <laughs> old time cards, and they go morning Jim, morning Spike, and then he'd like, you know, the dog would help foil or you know the plans of yeah. the. Uh, of the of the uh, wily coyote and then at the end of the day they go ahead and they'd uh clock out night sam night phil and it, i always <laughs> this cool little meta thing where like it's the wily coyote's job to try, try and that's the reason why he chases the roadrunner because it's yeah. his job to do so i thought it was clever um 
so uh, oh he's kissing her her knee and uh, then she gets up and he goes hey did you get stung anywhere else and if you look at his eyes his eyes fall to her bust line twice <laughs> like, no thank you i thought this was such a funny joke oh without, it's great without being without being overt and saying yeah. what the joke is it's subtle enough oh it's just subtle yeah. enough um and he goes, what a place this is. Uh, it's got it all. Pigeons fly. Women fall out of the sky. I'm moving here. <laughs> Which is funny because they made the joke yeah. rhyme in English when it wasn't the natural uh, side of things. And then she pays him in eggs because she's the landlady of this property, which will <laughs> never be talked about for the rest of the film. But no, it's not. Uh, later, we find out that. um uh, Guido and his friend uh, are going Federico or whatever his name is are going to a <laughs> hotel where Guido's uncle is the head matra and they go there and we meet Elicio Orifice played by Giustino Durano and a bunch of men come out of the hotel and the uncle has been roughed up and the place has been sort of turned over a bit and uh, Guido asks his uncle why didn't you cry for help and his uncle says silence is the most powerful cry and I'm like that's funny but it's also powerful. If you take mm-hmm. the, the punchline out of it and just treat it like a statement, there's a lot in there. Especially with how much the, the word silence keeps being brought up as an answer or like something to help with a question at any point. Yeah. And we find out that Ferruccio was both a poet and an upholsterer. <laughs> because basically, we're done with you now. We need to get you out of the yeah. picture here. And they have the run of the house, this lovely house they get to stay in for without money, just because the hotel owns it and no one else needs it, I guess. The next day, Ferruccio and Guido are walking around the town and they go, oh, a city's wonderful. In a city, you can do whatever you want. This includes yelling. So Ferruccio starts yelling and he goes, you can't act like that. You're not in the country, which I thought was I thought it was really yeah. funny. Um, Ferruccio's given a job, but we're warned that these are hard times. And while they're going to do that, Guido is trying to steal Ferruccio's boss's hat. Um, and he does try to get into sort of, what do you mean by hard times? And tries to pin down his politics and vice versa. Yeah. And it's the idea that there's an undertone amidst all this comedy that's a little bit dark. Um, Guido's going to a government uh, office to look for a signature because he wants to open a bookstore from the town hall. I mean, there's a bit of a lazy joke about how, you know, in order to make government do anything, it's impossible because they won't yeah. even do anything. Um, the guy who's running it, uh, his story's not good enough for him, and uh, he leaves without signing the piece of paper. And Guido leans on a window for a moment, and it knocks a flower pot off and lands on the guy's head. And the dignitary tells him that he can forget about his bookshop and uh because guido's run downstairs to apologize for this and um he's still carrying the the eggs eggs from the the day before yeah and he's somehow he's put the eggs in a hat and by mistake the guy puts the eggs puts his hat on and it breaks the eggs and they go down his hat and he says he will never get it now and he chases him uh yeah so i'm gonna call this guy the egg man for the rest of this episode i believe it's a it's a very vaudeville like oh this is so like if you how, put like some yeah how hard are you pulling that hat down on your head <laughs> but what i do give them credit for it's very james burroughs 
which is something I didn't think I'd be saying today. What about this film? Uh? James Burroughs is the director of many an episode of Cheers, as well as many other popular, very successful American sitcoms. Okay. And what James Burroughs did was he would set up a joke 15 minutes in advance, just long enough for you to forget that it was there, but enough that it holds up on second inspection that it actually would have mm-hmm. worked. The idea that she pays him in eggs and they're holding them for this amount of time. The structure of this film is fantastic in many ways. Mm. I did a quick Google just now because um, I wanted to see if he was in, because I was I was trying to think of who, who it was. It's very Buster Keaton. Yeah. And I, I just want to see. And yeah, he's been very much inspired by Chaplin, Buster Keaton and Stan Laurel. And I, I yeah, I, I see that. I'm not surprised at all. No. There's a lot of visual gags he's going for. Yeah. Uh, we meet uh, properly. Meet, well, he is chased by the Eggman, Cuckoo Kachu, <laughs> and he crashes into a woman. And uh, the score tells me it's important and it's a romantic meeting. And he says, good morning, princess. And I'm asking myself, is this the same woman? Or does he call every woman princess? And of course, the answer is it is the same woman. Yeah. This is Dora, played by Nicoletta Bros- Broski. Broski? Broshi. Anyway, this is... Uh, Roberto Benigni's real life wife. Oh, wow. So now when he's doing the bit where he's kissing her knee and doing the pee pee, this is a cute moment between a husband and yeah. wife. If you no no actress was, was, was made to sit there as the man <laughs> lechd over her. This is her part. It's a this, sweet moment. Yeah. yeah. This is a sweet moment. If you want to go outside the movie, this is them having a bit of fun together. Right. Yeah. So he rushes off cause he's still being chased back to the hotel uh and which is definitely not an empty soundstage he's doing a test of how to be a waiter and he knows how to do the chicken They're like tell me how the chicken's prepared but when he says tell me how to do a lobster he goes through the same process as the chicken it's a it's a crustacean so we uncrust the crustacean yeah uh and his uh his uncle who i really appreciated in this film says remember you're serving but you're not a servant Mm. He says, God was the first server. He serves man, but he's not a servant. And I'm like, uncle is wise. Oh, yeah. And then I've got my notes. It would be hard to be Guido's friend because Ferruccio and Guido are sharing a bed. And for some reason, this giant bed, I, I would think like urinal etiquette would apply here. And you would they, position they yourself as far deciding, apart as you could. Yeah. They are going the opposite. They are snuggled up. They're just two little guys having a, a fun romantic time and this is where we introduce the concept of schopenhauer and if you think about something enough you can make you can make it happen in yourself or 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 guido would suggest in other people as well yeah and uh, that was gonna become a recurring theme throughout the rest of the film the next day the jerk with the eggs the Eggman, is back cuckoo and stops his car to say hi to someone. And it's the woman from earlier. Good morning, princess. Yeah. And Guido hides behind Ferruccio so that no one, he, he won't get seen. And we do establish, hey, Ferruccio says, his car look, is exactly the same as mine. I didn't catch that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, like the, am- the amount of backwards planning in this, like yeah. this, this story is so well structured in the first half. I need to ask, because when you saw this and you went 1997, did you kind of have like a thing of, this doesn't look like a film that was filmed in 1997? Oh, what you mean? Like the actual? Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. It's from the 70s. I don't want to. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to be rude. 
Yeah. Um, but I think my uh, uh, standards for cinema for that that's not from the United States or even, like you go back and you look at a, you go back and you look at four weddings and a funeral. That does not look industry standard. Well, I always think about uh, 28 Days Later, and that that was 2004, I think, and that film, visually, like, quality-wise, does not hold up. But you're not that wrong. film doesn't you, hold up. You look at, like, Monty Python's yeah. Life of Brian. Not Life of Brian. Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail. Yeah. How, how, George always gives me a hard time. Is it Monty Python on the Holy Grail? I think it's Monty Python on I the think, Holy yeah, Grail. Yeah, and the Holy Grail, yeah. And that looks a certain way, and the sound especially. But yeah. that's 70s. It's not a giant step up here. I mean, you're looking... Yeah, you pro- it's probably looking like late 80s, early 90s, and probably late 80s, early 90s television as opposed to film. But the See, question is, what is the standard in Italian yeah. cinema? I don't know. See, that's why I was wondering, because I wasn't sure if because it was Sky, it was different for you, because obviously mine was technically a 2002 TV like airing. So I didn't know if that was part of that or it was just that's how the film looked yeah, by, no, by standards. Just, so I guess just by standards. At, le- at least I was getting the true yeah. like, visual look i guess no that's a good point a great visual yeah i do think it looks it looks behind the times Mm. of what hollywood is putting out absolutely as far as visual quality it's not a detriment but it was more just me going 97 this kind of like took me back for a second i got used to it it kind of adds to a charm a bit actually kind of yeah especially because i think it helps because it's a period piece yeah and i think that if it was like supposed to be modern times i might groan but because it's a period piece i'm able to kind of just go oh it's part of the visual designation you know this isn't the christmas actually schindler's list is what 94 i think and i haven't seen the film i've I've been for a little while but you look at some of the stills or some of the small elements i've seen like that's a beautiful film as far as its ability to focus actually i'll say this citizen kane's a better shot film than this like the quality of the cinematography now, granted, you're all inside, and a lot of this has to be done mobile. That might mm. be it. Well, I was thinking, comparing it to, like, how visually, um, was it Grand Budapest is, and because that yeah. tries to do different areas, it's in that same kind of thing, because the aspect ratio changes, but also the camera quality, too. So I'm, No, no, no. Yep. It, it kind of feels the same in, with this, even if it might not be intentional. Yeah, but I mean, like, Citizen Kane is a better shot movie than this, as far yeah. as just the quality of the stock that comes out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she turns down dinner with him, but she hopes they meet again and loves the fact that he pops out of nowhere Hmm. and he goes back to waiting. And this is where we meet Dr. Lessing. I, yeah, I got his name down later. Uh, I just, I always referred to him as Mr. Riddles. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about what Dr. Riddles he'll have, you know, he didn't spend seven years in medical school to be called Mr. Um, his doctorate's in riddles, not actual. Yes, it's uh, not actually anything yeah. uh, He solves a riddle. The bigger it is, the less you see it. Obscurity. It took the doctor eight days. Uh, it took Guido five minutes. So, he and this is a little exposition where he goes, "Oh, you remember everything so quickly, and you did this, <laughs> and you did." Is everybody is everybody paying attention? I don't know why we're talking about it like this, but. You could get away with the fact that I'm not sure it's clear. Maybe it would be to a to an Italian audience. It wasn't clear to me this guy was German until later in the film. No, it w- wasn't. I it wasn't until like a scene later. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, the next time we see him, course. and I go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so there's another one. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves sit down for lunch. How fast can you guess what she serves her guests next? Um. 
I was impressed this joke made sense in the second language. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no re- there's no guarantee it would be a homonym. You know what I mean? And that both parts of the homonym works, would mean yeah. the same thing. Yep. It's seven seconds. There's another visitor, but the kitchen's closed, and the guest of the riddle isn't eating his dinner, so Guido uses wordplay to make the dish that he's brought Dr. Lessing seem um, more appealing to the gentleman just arrived. Your first was a heavy steak and fatty like, Talbot, greasy and, liver. Fried, 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 fried mushrooms, yeah. or a nice light. So this is. <laughs> I should show my students this and go look at. It's look, really funny. Look at what this feels like. It's something out of like a sketch show. What I was describing it um, earlier, and I was like, it fit. Like the first half is very much like sketch a minute yeah. kind of different things. Before we, I don't want to compare it to like because um, this is very like Brit centric when I say this. But um, Blackadder goes forth, where the, you hit. Yeah, you hit. A, it's a uh, World War Two uh, comedy show with like constant sketches and jokes, and it hits a wall at a point where then it becomes serious, and you look back on the first half really with a much different viewpoint of yeah, tunnel shift. Oh, yeah, like almost like reminiscent of the joy you had, and it's kind of similar to this. But this is much faster paced and has a much sort of deeper, like thought process when you think about because Guido's not stupid; he's a clever man. He's a clever man. I think that's the whole yeah. point of this sequence, at least the first part mm. of it. And then Guido learns that the guest, the second guest, the guest, because the whole deal is that the kitchen's closed. Yeah, and the hotel manager like leaves it up to him whether he's going to serve him or not. I'm like, what kind of messed up power structure is this? Well, he's even like, the kitchen's closed. Like, well, okay, I guess you won't leave a tip. Kitchen's open, actually. I've decided. It's yeah, he's going to leave a large tip. So yeah. the question is, I have to trick him into having this meal that the other yeah. guy won't touch. So um, Guido learns the guest is there to inspect the elementary school. And we cut to Vanessa. So this is Ofsted, basically. And yeah. we cut to, um, which is a, a school inspection service we have in the UK. Um, we cut to the next day, and it's not the inspector. Guido has brought a uh, <laughs> Italian sash there, and Dora is delighted to see him uh, because somehow he sussed out she was a school teacher. I think that was in their meeting that they had. Yeah, uh, it was because she's, she's with all the school children. I think as they're like going back and forth. Uh, he asks all the school teachers questions. Are you teaching the new curriculum? Yes. Are you fully up to date with the safety procedures? Of course. And then he gets to Dora and he asks, hey, what are you doing Sunday? And the head te- he goes to leave and the head teacher says, aren't you here to talk to us about the race manifesto? And I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, he says it was signed by the most well-versed Italian scientists that our race is the best race of all. And he's like, all right, that's the remit. Here we go. And so he fumbles his way through it. His first lines, I was chosen by the racist scientists to tell you where you can find someone more handsome than me. And Dory, again, is absolutely smitten. And he's jumped on the table and he's talking about ear cartilage. And all the kids are playing with the ear cartilage. And the guy's just lovely and whimsical. And he says, look, uh, the French would kill to see an ear like this. And then we cut the inspectors coming in. And he's very upset that someone else is presenting themselves as him. And we smash cut, and he's like, belly buttons! <laughs> and the, My pure Aryan belly button. And the theme is playing, and I love the theme in this movie. Oh, yeah. They hit you over the head with it a bit, but I love the theme of it. And uh, again, he calls the scientists racist, which I guess they would admit they were racist, because that's the yeah. whole premise is our race is better. 
<laughs> I saw I saw a thing. Um, it was like this this interview from the uh, the eighteen hundreds, like eighteen ninety nine, I think, and it was when eugenics was a big thing uh... in the U.S. And <laughs> the guy in the just goes. <laughs> I'm not prejudiced. I'm just a racist. And it's amazing what you get someone to admit like that. But like at that point, it's like, yeah, we, I'm proud of it. We 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 had. I'm not saying it's a positive thing at all. Mm-hmm. We, we we had homogeneous groups, right? Yeah. And we had no communication between groups. Everybody was insular. And not only that, you take Europe. Now you put language between it. Mm. So everybody becomes the other and i'm not justifying it for a moment it's wrong it's terribly wrong i guess i I guess i understand that if someone had power what would stop you from being able to dissuade them Mm. it would be really difficult so yeah we, we made some horrendous mistakes as a species if you're in charge politically in a country you know a great way to like try and bring like people to your cause and go this is who is by going we're the best country and i'm gonna make us the best country because we're it happens every time i mean this is this is how hitler rises to power yeah everybody it's it's how donald trump rises to power Mm -hmm. everybody else is going oh we're we're really sorry germany post world war one we're really sorry we're really sorry really sorry hitler goes it's not your fault (laughs) oh we're the best tell me more about what yeah i want to hear more from that guy who says it's not my fault because Germany was overly punished at the Treaty of Versailles. That depression we're going through, finance, everything going on, we're burning money. It's not your fault for this. So Donald Trump, Tim, let me tell you about the way it was back when you remember times being good. And it still has that, it still has that appeal. It does. Whoo, scary stuff. Um, So, uh, wait, I was talking about this, this, the, the belly button. Um, the theme of the film plays underneath it. I've got my notes. It's charming. And yeah. then he says, I'll make my Aryan exit and say farewell. The belly button. He says, Princess, <laughs> I'll see you in Venice. And I guess he was being literal because we go to the opera and they're in, I'm assuming, Venice watching the opera. Mm. Dora is with the Eggman, Cuckoo Kachu. Do you know why I'm doing the Cuckoo Kachu? I, I, I want to be like it's because it's a song it's a specific it's, song it is it's a song Beatles, yeah. right it's the Beatles very good yeah, yeah. I am the Eggman who you are the Eggman who I am the walrus I was like I wrote down the Eggman and I went how could I not go Kukukachu at the end of this see this is like where the generational gap comes because I hear Eggman oh. I think Sonic the Hedgehog oh is that right okay yeah I was like because because I'm kind of between the two because I'm not yeah I mean, Sonic's big. How old am I when Sonic's? I'm like 12, 13. I'm the right age yeah, for Sonic. He's big in the 90s. Yeah. He's, he's like that, um, that juxtapose, that like almost like subversion Mario's culture, clearly I guess. the 80s, and they go, yeah. let's do something new. And yeah. that's why the Genesis slash Mega Drive it's not, it's is not a huge, it's a, yeah, it's a huge seller. Yeah. And Sonic was cool for about all five minutes. Well, they even like Sega does what Nintendo don't, and they're trying to be like, we're cooler, yeah. we're better, we're black and sleek, we're grungy. If you get a chance, I mean, it's, it's not new, so there's no real point mm. doing a see it or skip it. But there's a great video game uh, documentary series called, I don't know if it's called Game Over, I think it's called Game Over. On uh, it's, it's like Game Over the Console Wars or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's yeah. fantastic. Very it's, good. I think it's like six episodes long or something like that. It's a great mm. series. 
and there's a couple good ones there's another one called indie game which is a fantastic documentary but the one about the i I love the minute you've got two competing top dogs and okay what's the difference there's a great one about game the movie there's a great one about coke and pepsi called the cola wars Mm. that's fantastic but anytime it's down to those two and you're like how do you get inside of it especially if you look back with like you've got back sort of um you've got the ability of hindsight it it can Mm. be really really effective so i'm amazed no one's done one like similar to that with like dc and marvel because those comics they're fighting in the yeah. 70s and 80s I had the hard, that's really interesting thing. i think the hard part is that it, it would force you to sort of say one's winning and there's no appeal for dc to get in there now no see coke and pepsi they're, they're still, they're still wise, doing really actually. well yeah comic yeah. comic sales they're doing better but that's just because everyone hates marvel comics right now i mean i'd be very curious to look at the finances and going mm. what's the revenue stream marvel make uh marvel make more just because of like they release more, but it's more like quantity, not quality. Meanwhile, DC are like maybe 13 a week, what and I, they're, but they're making more. What, what, like, what, what I mean sales. is what percentage of Marvel's things are coming from the cinematic universe versus the comic books? Because before they were a comic book company who made movies. I'm wondering if it's Flip now and if they're a film company that's still. Oh, they're definitely, comics. I'd say they're definitely a film company because yeah. like. Back in the day, like I think Death is we're going on a tangent, but it's an it's an interesting industry thing. Death of Superman was like twenty million copies, and that was like that's the gold standard. You're lucky if it's a cultural a event. Yeah. A blockbuster comic now. Wonder Woman issue one that came out three weeks ago, and I have a proud com uh, co- collection of it, is um that that was ground groundbreaking for like industrial sales. A hundred thousand. Yeah. That's like that's your that's your requirement now. Yeah. Which is maddening considering how big the industry is supposed to be worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But print media and I mean let's, let's look at it. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's gone. Piracy is has kind of killed comics. There's there's also a thing about having the thing in your hand. There yeah. is a joy that comes from turning the pages, from seeing the artwork that can't be replicated. But when you do it digitally, we live in a world where digital is free. The time. There's, like, there's a like I, 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 I ref- of Netflix, but like remember magazines? You probably don't. But have, if you're out there, remember magazines, folks. I have, I have like th- I love, I love magazines. Oh, I love. I, ma- I, I have a subscription to the Star Wars magazine, the Doctor Who magazine, uh, culinary magazines. Like, uh, there's a comic book shop uh, right across the road from my uni. Terrible for me financially, <laughs> but it means I can be like instead of just going, oh, I'll buy a digital thing, I get to hold it. I have a yep. physical copy of Action Comics 1 because they reprinted it. And I'm like, this is great. I think music's, to a degree, um, going down that road. Although, when you put a pair of headphones on, it sounds the same. The experience yeah. of actually looking at a magazine and turning the pages or having a book, e-reader versus physical books. Physical books aren't dying. They've figured that out. I mean, mm. it, it, which kind of books are going to sell? That's I can't story, read digitally on a book. It has to be physical. But, I mean, you used to walk into, like, a Barnes & Noble or a Chapters mm. or a Waterstones. There you go. There's, there's, the, there's Canada, U.S. and, yeah. uh, and the U.K. <laughs> and at least back – home it would be like you'd go in there and the first thing you'd see are rows upon rows upon rows. it was like 10 double stacks giant double yeah. stacks of newspapers and magazines from around the world on the most niche of subjects and oh, it was yeah. like wow this and then over it felt like overnight it just disappeared and now what used to be stacks and stacks is is, is like one single stack with only yeah. the most powerful because you're combating with you're fighting free how do you fight free 
in Cambridge, we have a massive water stones, or for the US, it's like the Barnes and Noble. And it used in 2014 when I went in, it was like it was it was that kind of thing. I walk in now and it's like Harry Potter, Twilight, Funko Pops. And that doesn't really mesh with any of them because yep. they're all the same thing. Ancillary revenue streams. It's it's yeah. no longer when you go to HMV, it's all the same now. It's not the amount of oh, music is very shame. very little. It's so, such a shame. Welcome to being old. This is what you can spend the rest of your life doing is complain about how I things know, used to right? be better. Um, so we're at the opera. He's being too literal, like we said. Cuckoo, he's on the floor staring up at her. He being Guido, she being Dora. The person beside him, because it's one of those things where everybody's looking in one direction, he's looking off to the side. <laughs> and then the woman next to him, who he's like staring right into her, like, there's no way your peripherals would be cool yeah, with like this. right into her ear, I guess. She looks and he goes, Oh, I can only hear out of this one ear. And then he, we continue. He goes, spends the whole opera doing the Schopenhauer thing. You know, he's like, Turn around, princess. Turn around. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Send the message there. And uh, she does. But then so does the woman next to him who thinks he's calling her princess. <laughs> uh, after the opera, the Eggman, Cuckoo tells Dora they have to have dinner at the prefect's place at around 8 p.m. I guess the prefect is some sort of government official. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she does not want to go and kicks him. Yeah. His name is Rodolfo for what it's Matt worth at this point. I looked it up, but I'm like, Eggman's going to work. Yeah. For some reason, Ferruccio and his boss are both at the opera with him. And he steals the hat again. It's to set up a bunch of stuff that's going to happen. Yeah. But yes, he steals the hat again because he's like, do you have the stuff in the car? Are you ready for, for are you ready for work tomorrow? I'm like, this is a really strange after op. Why did we all go to the opera? Why are we having a work conversation? But Guido does manage to steal his hat again. Uh, and I've got it's raining. It's pouring. Um, Dora wants to get the car because of the rain. But Eggman's like, we can walk. She goes, no, get the car. So he's like, fine. I'll grab the car and I'll toot the horn. At this point, Guido convinces Ferruccio to give him the car keys because don't forget, They've got the same car. Yep. So a moment later, a car pulls up and hits the horn, and she doesn't realize she gets in the car, and they're driving for a while, and she's just giving yeah. him hell, thinking he's the walrus, cuckoo ka He's and, always mugging it to the camera as well. He's oh, like, can you believe this? <laughs> it's like he's looking, going, mm, yeah. she thinks I'm the other guy, and not Guido, and then she gets hiccups and is going a mile a minute. Uh, with her speech definitely she's she's guido's other half oh yeah without question these two are made for each other they are they're they're in sync yeah like 100 miles a minute but they are somehow like in sync and just meshing she looks at him and screams and he goes good morning princess (laughs) and she says you owe me an explanation it's like no you owe me an explanation he kind of goes through their history so far he's basically going i'm living my life And you Why keep, you always hit, you keep yeah. popping into it. Now, minus the bit where you were the school inspector. But outside of it, he's pretty correct. Yeah. And um, he can't throw on the windshield wipers. And she goes, when did you learn how to drive? And he's like, five minutes ago when I got the car. And the brakes are still out, which was a nice touch from earlier in the film. Mm. And My they, favorite joke, though, is she, when he's like, uh, 10 minutes ago, oh, I would have guessed earlier. And I, I was like, oh, she, they are they are on the same level because yeah. she, she's that quick, too. And, they, and they've got finger quotes here. They crash the car, which basically means it pops up on the smallest of little mini rise ledges, and that's it. <laughs> and they climb out, and her dress rips. 
Um, he then uses uh, there's a thing of red fabric in the car, which he takes out and he unfurls it kind of Walter Raleigh style. So both blocks the puddle and gives her this like regal, like walkway to walk down the steps into the square. And he's like, this reminds me of that time. And she goes, what time? He goes, oh, the time when we were driving together and I crashed the car. And then, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I danced around you for a bit. And then when I stopped in front of you, you kissed me. He's weirdly smooth for like just a goofy little. I've he almost n- looks like um, oh, who's who? Who plays Mike Wazowski? Harry met Sally. Oh, Billy Crystal. Yeah, he's like a he's like a stretch to help Billy Crystal. Yeah, um, it's a move I've never considered doing, which is just wear it on your sleeve and yeah. fully commit and dare them to say no and just it's be the confidence s- game. Oh, it absolutely is the confidence game. Yeah. Um. He, as he dances around her, he looks at her and goes, Princess, your behind is blowing in the wind. At which point she then realizes my dress is ripped. Now, I'm not, I don't wear a lot of dresses. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever worn a dress. I was on, I was in a panto once where I played a yeah. game, but that's a stretch. But I imagine if it was torn to the degree that we're talking about, she would have felt the breeze. Oh, you, trust me. You, yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh i've lost my spot there oh here later she says her father had this key to always making her say yes he so she said it's so he's like he tricks it and makes it a bit literal so you mean there's a key to making you say yes yes and it comes from heaven yes now i need to pause here for a second and say up to this point they've gone by this house twice and if you shout up this woman mary will throw you down the key all you have to do is just call for the key and she throws it to you so as the story is happening, they just so happen to be walking by this house and he goes, all right, so let's say if I could make this key come from heaven, if the Virgin Mary makes it appear, you will then say yes. And she went, yeah, I guess so. And says, Maria, throw the key down. And she and the key gets thrown. She looks like you've got to be kidding me. And then it can t- oh, this is it's clever. What this whole scene is clever yeah. wordplay. It's so quick. So they're obvious. So they continue to walk. They're having a great time. And he goes, "Hey, let's go get that chocolate ice cream." The thing she wanted Eggman to give her, and he wouldn't yeah. do it. And she goes, "No, no, no." Uh, but then he sees Doctor Lessing. That is his name, uh, the Riddler from earlier. And then he goes, "Oh." To the Virgin Mary. She goes, don't ask the Virgin Mary about ice cream. She's busy. He goes, no, no, no. Virgin Mary, please send us someone who will tell us how long it is until we can have ice cream. And the doctor walks up and goes, seven seconds. And the <laughs> pillow she's been using to um, cover her backside drops on the floor out of astonishment, which I guess is supposed to be like a, a I would read it as a dropping of sexual guard. Yeah. Yes. And just pure impressed, like impressed. And- but is working on a romantic level. Yeah. It's not just shock. This is a romantic indicator of romantic interest. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I've got my notes. This film is structured wonderfully here. I, I said mm-hmm. my notes. So he, I've got a section called pillow talk. Uh, he drops <laughs> her off and says that there's something I wanted to say to you. And she goes, go ahead and say it. And he says, I forgot to tell you. You can't imagine how much I feel like making love to you. But I'll never tell anyone, especially not you. They'd have to torture me to make me say it. Say what? That I want to make love to you. Not once, but over and over again. I'd have to be crazy to tell you that. I'd even make love to you right now for the rest of my life. This is charming. 
Oh, it's great. No, and because they're they're or you know they're sweet on each other. It oh, does it. It this, doesn't feel like this isn't like anything else. This, this is isn't great. step one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is what you do when you get to step six. Like it's yeah. going well. I'm now going to say it. And he drops all the charm stuff for a moment. All the sort of silliness. And there's a moment of earnestness in this. Mm. Uh, it works really really well. She says good night. Um, and bemoans his suit getting wet. And he happens to see Ferruccio's boss coming towards me. He says, it's not really the suit I mind. It's the hat. And she goes, well, let's ask the Virgin Mary to see if we can get you a dry hat. <laughs> and Ferruccio's boss, without a word, switches the hats. And he then spins away and walks off. And I've gotten my notes. Is this cute? Is this gaslighting? Is this both? Oh, it's it's cute. The, I This is because... That they, she's in on it. She gets it. Like it, he is just—he's a smart man. I she think she's impressed. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think she thinks it's literal. I think she's impressed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's cute, and I don't think she's getting gaslit because she's too clever to be gaslit. It's like she's going, "Oh, I must be with him because the Virgin Mary." Has yeah, yeah. No, it's just—it's just going. Just and the fact he, that he doesn't at this point try and push it for for any yeah. more advancement, he just spins around and goes. Back to the hotel, and there's somebody getting married, and Dora doesn't want to get up out of bed, and her mother is threatening that on her husband's deathbed, her um, Dora's father's deathbed, she'll never speak to Dora again if she doesn't get out of bed. And they pull back the sheets on three, one, two, three, and she's wearing this ornate dress and Dora hiccups, which she told us earlier in the car is what she does when she's being asked to do something she doesn't want to do. Uh, Guido tells us uh, Eggman is getting married at the hotel, but we don't know who to. And I'm going, dude, you were at the opera. She was going to drive it around. You stole the clever man. Like you are too clever to not know. But yeah. He really doesn't know this for some reason. I found this to be a bit of a flaw in the inter- internal logic. I guess he's he's so pri- I don't know. He's so like smitten with her that he can't imagine her with anyone else. But despite that, the reason that they had the whole interaction just before is because she is with someone else. Yeah. And I think we saw who, I think he knows, he stares at her for the whole opera. You have to realize it was Eggman. Yeah. Yeah. Cuckoo can shoot. He's called outside uh, and someone has defaced Robin Hood, which we didn't mention earlier, is um, Mm. his uncle Elysio's horse. Yeah. And it's been described, it's written on the side that it's a Jewish horse. Mm. And uncle Elysio says, hey, look, this is the way it is here in the city. And Guido needs to get used to it. And Guido says, I don't think it'll really affect me. He says, what are they going to do? Right on me, Octung Jewish waiter? Which Octung, I know, is the German word uh, for uh, for warning. Yeah. It must also be in Italian, I guess. Because U2 so. yeah. released an album called Octung Baby. So Octung <clears> means warning. He goes back in to, uh, you know, unaffected, he goes back in to surprise um, Dora. And Dr. Lessing has been called back to Berlin. I'm like, ooh. Mm. Okay, Berlin, 1939. Ooh, a big deal. And he said, as a closing riddle, if you say my name, I'm not there anymore. Who am I? Did you get this? No. Ready for this? Yep. Instantly. Instantly went silence. Of course. I got it so quick. Before Guido even moves over. So I've written in my notes. Where am I here? Uh, 
Oh, I'm guessing silence. Brackets. Took me 0.5 seconds. Next statement. Guido gets it a few seconds later. Dash. I should be a waiter. <laughs> so there I was quite proud of that one. Um, the wedding. I've never been a riddle guy. I like riddles. See, I like them, but I'm terrible at them. I like them, but when they when it's over, it has to hold up. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't mind. I don't like the seven seconds because I'm like, okay, it's wordplay. It's a little bit of okay. It's not quite the same. This is the opposite. This was legit. So, mm. uh, meanwhile, we go to the conversation at the party. And um, the, I guess the headmaster, mistress, I should say, says a yeah. lunatic cost the state four marks. And these are, this is currency. This is German currency yeah. at the time. Yeah. A cripple four and a half and an epileptic leptic three and a half. And if there's 300,000 of these people and we average it out to four marks a person a day, it would be valuable to save this money. But we don't really know how much it comes to. And Eggman, Kukuchu, says, with great delight on his face, 1.2 million marks a day would be saved. And he's smiling as he suggests proud of it, we should yeah. get rid of this. And Dora's not feeling it. And the headmistress is just like, yeah, but this is, she's just, it's just a crazy math problem. And I'm like, well, actually, for math, it's not that difficult at all. Just three times four. Just carry a bunch yeah. of zeros. It's like, it's almost like she's trying to save face off. Oh, but this is just what the German children learn in math. This is this is what they have learned. Isn't that yep. crazy? And I guess it's it's showing us the detachment that those yeah. who aren't Jewish have for the situation. Uh, well, actually, we don't even talk about Jewish here. This is part of the eugenics, the idea about people who aren't people who are able and how they feel about those who aren't able. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, which 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 is a conversation that is taking place in the late 1930s across the globe. Yeah, yeah. Um, they dance briefly, and Guido is heartbroken. Uh, by they, I mean um, Eggman and Dora, because he's finally clocked in. And I thought, I thought this was a wedding until this point. At first, I assumed, yeah, especially because you know her her dress and whatever. It was ornate, all... but it wasn't white. But I'm like different culture, right? Maybe yeah, not white. I mean, yeah, it's also just the easiest way to go, well, she doesn't want to do something. Oh, and there's a fancy dress and everyone's all dressed up all night. Clearly, she's going to be... No. Yeah. Guido falls over as he watches them dance and knocks a tray of profiteroles on the floor before replating them. And then this is great. It's a great sort of reveal gag where we change the angle and someone has brought a dog over to check on him and the dog <laughs> is now on the plate. Uh, another guest arrives, and he tells us uh, his role is for one reason. His role exists for one reason. And I didn't think I'd be comparing this to this other film, uh, but I'm going to compare this to The Wedding Singer. Always a good film to compare when it's one of the is what this is. <laughs> Do you remember in The Wedding Singer, um, Drew Barrymore's husband-to-be? I th- and they, It's been a while since I've seen it. They make sure you know that he like has it off with like other girls on the side. Yeah. And the reason why you have to know that first is that you forgive the characters for her leaving him and abandoning him at the altar. Yeah. That's the reason why that character exists. Yeah. So we get told in a conversation between um, Guido's friend and not Guido's friend between um, um, Eggman's friend and himself. Uh, um, that. You know, he goes, well, I guess there's no more reason for you to come to the brothel anymore. And I'm like, okay, my brackets. There we go. We'll this is probably it. important so that when he gets left, we don't feel badly for him. Because, you know, 
you, just because you're the enemy of Guido doesn't mean that we, you know, you're a happily engaged couple. So you have to have flaws and a considerable one. And then this is enough. You're, you constantly frequent a problem. Mm. All right. See, we already dislike him because enemy of Guido and yep. also the, the eugenics stuff that he was saying. Yep. But then, like, within the, the world narrative, because Guido can't be like, see, that's why it's okay. Like, yep. It's just another thing to pile on to see. They were truly meant to be together because he would never have done that to her. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Guido, because he calls her princess, and yet he's going around sleeping with people in brothels. <laughs> um, Guido uh, spills something else on the floor, and Dora clocks him. She crawls underneath the table and kisses him. Now, call me crazy. I think I'd notice if the bride to be is go- is underneath underneath the yeah. table. Like, how roomy is this table that we can go under? You're not going to hit everybody's feet on the way down. So, so it's. There's usually like a leg. If it's a table like that, yeah, this table doesn't need this table doesn't need support. It's It's floating. (laughs) It's floating. It's floating with their love. Um, Dora clocks him. She crawls to the table, kisses him. As anyway, there's an Ethiopian cake delivered, which is really just a setup for a joke. But anyway, I'm like, oh, kind of ornate. And then Guido enters on Robin Hood, gives Eggman a bottle of champagne. (laughs) There, I have now purchased the right to. Take away your bride. And he tells the princess it's time to go and rides off. I thought for a brief moment she wasn't going to come with. Oh, I thought she was. Uh, Eggman cottons on uh, as they ride off what's happening. And the bottle opens. The cork then dislodges an ostrich egg, which lands (laughs) on his head. And as far as like, that's his story. That's his. Yeah. I thought it was a wonderfully. It had some symmetry and it plays back to the beginning. I thought, there we go. And, and the way that this yeah. is about to, to go, it's a really nice closing piece. Yep. For like what it technically is a second film. Uh, where they go back to the spare house, but Ferruccio has the key. Guido tries to pry it open, but Dora sees there's this other. I'm assuming this is like one giant house with a wraparound thing. I think it's, it's a very, I don't know, like European architecture seems yeah. to be very like open sort of, here's open, a, yeah. here's a courtyard and you have buildings There's around some kind it. of around somewhere. It's just a house available and she walks in and she is giving him the sexy eyes the whole time she walks in. <laughs> Clear. Obviously they're not married. So they, wait, no, sorry. They are married. So this is not acting. There we go. Well, I don't know how long they've been married. It might really be acting. <laughs> um, he gets the door open with some wire, but then he notices she's there and follows her into the adjacent room. And then we do a reverse zoom. And I'm like, I think we got a time jump and we do have yeah. a time jump. Take note, Rudy. This is how you do a time jump. Not just and fading to any, black as he like, walks away. Oh, it was so well done. Yeah. And it wasn't like five. They didn't have to have texting five years later. It's just. There's a child. Kid. Time has passed. That'll do it, won't it? Yeah. So they've got a kid, and they remake the movie poster, and they seem happy because they're riding down the street, and it's the shot that's on every movie poster and movie yeah. box and uh, all that stuff. And they stop in front of a shop, and there are soldiers marching past. I've got my notes. The kid's got to be what? Five? I'm not saying a thing. Well, I... The character has to be well, okay. So I'll say I thought four when I first wrote it. Later, seeing everything he comes up with, the kid's got to be closer to five. Add oh, yeah. in a year, therefore, of pregnancy, roughly. We're looking at forty-four, forty-five, 
And that lines yeah. up with the timeline of the film, if, if I do that. So originally I thought it was yeah, 43, it but then later looking back now, it's got to be more like 44 into 45. Yeah. The sign says, no Jews or dogs allowed. And Guido just no-sells this. He goes, hey, everyone's got something they don't like. For instance, you know, and he said, I forget what he... he it was it, uh, spiders for him. It was a spider and a yeah. uh, Visigoth. Yeah. So, I don't know what a Visigoth is. A Visigoth is like a, um, I believe a Visigoth is like some sort of like tribal warrior thing. It's like a barbarian, basically, of memory source. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I, I now have to look it up to see if I've been right on that or not. Because yeah. I'll definitely hear about it from someone if I'm not. So, Visigoth. A Visigoth. A member of the Goths. German uh, people. Yeah. United under the rule of a king living in the Visigoths, the Balkans. A military group. All right yeah a barbarian military group oh brilliant nailed it so yeah that's a visigoth there's your uh there's your uh there's a bit of information today folks um and so everyone's got something they don't like no big deal and again we can see he's protecting his child from hatred yeah. from knowing what that means because he doesn't register it either i don't think he's really too fussed okay i gotta go in there i guess a big loss eh. which his uncle was the opposite his uncle's like this is real this is a big deal. Mm. Um, in the bookshop, we find out he's been called to the prefects. And he goes again to the soldier. And this yeah. is the first time we've seen him kicked back or the veil drop where he's not confident and he's not calm. He's getting fed up. And he tells, okay, so they called the kid. In, in the dialogue, he's called Je I, the, I wrote it down. G-I-O-S-U-E, and I did look up how to say it on a YouTube video. I believe it's... Giorgio? No, no, no. 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 G-I-O-S-U-E. Josue. Josue, yeah. Uh, But the subtitles called him Joshua. So get ready for this. I'm calling him Joshua, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) If they'd said Josue, probably because it's not a name we're familiar with, and therefore we don't even know how to pronounce it. Whereas uh, Guido, we we, 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 we know what Guido means. If you anglicize it, it makes it more like. Oh, that's interesting as well. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, He tells Joshua to stay behind while they go. I mean, totally not something you could do now. No, but still he watches his dad being taken away. So Guido marches for Joshua's amusement again to also suggest everything's okay. I'm going to protect you from this. Especially if you mirror that beginning, because this, this is two different stories. You mirror the beginning of this story with the end of this story. Yeah, oh, yeah, this is yeah. there's a reason here. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, he tells Gui- Joshua to stay behind. While I've said that already, a strange woman comes into the shop and buys a book, and then gives Joshua a letter for for his mother from his grandmother. Mm. And he, he says, "I've never met my grandmother before." And she says, "Well, you'll meet her tomorrow, and she'll bring you a present. Will it be a tank? I don't know what it is. It'll be a surprise, but you'll find out tomorrow." And she goes to leave, and Joshua goes, "You forgot your change, Grandma." And she just <laughs> smiles. And I did not think at any point in the movie, this could be the only chance these characters are going to see each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we smash cut to later on the end of a day. And Guido's closing up shop and he pulls down the protective covering for the shop. And it says Jewish store on it. Mm. And he just doesn't seem to be phased by it. And I mean, I think a large part of this movie is going, maybe you should. Yeah. But this is the choice he makes. Uh, and the voiceover will tell us this is a sacrifice. This is a gift. Um, 
getting ready uh, just for, for grandma to come over. Joshua doesn't want to take a bath because he took one on Friday. Meanwhile, Guido's saying he doesn't want to change his shirt because he changed it on Thursday. And I'm just having flashbacks to lockdown. Going, yeah, I don't need to, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I'm all right. I'm just gonna live in this funk for a while. What? what who? Who's gonna see me who's anyway? Gonna see me anyway? There's no point. Um, probably, especially during the one, the the bit where we weren't even allowed to go outside, but for like half an hour. Yeah. That's so extreme. Like I you look would back see, on that as mental. You would see someone walking on the street, and you would cross the street, not just to be a good citizen. My favorite thing, I lived, because uh, this was before I moved, so where I lived, there was a police station, like, right by, so, you know, you couldn't even, like, pretend you were in, like, your first walk or whatever, because there would be a, a little police officer just walking out of the police station being like, I've seen you before, go back inside, and I was like, oh, okay. And everybody was keeping like tabs on their neighbors. Like it's very, <laughs> I don't want to draw a comparison to this, but it was very like snitch on your neighbors. Oh yeah. It oh, was, yeah. I, I remember, I, I don't know if you saw it, if it was in New York, they had like a, a snitch policy where you could get like $5 if you ratted on a neighbor for breaking like lockdown for forget, a bit. Forget that. I mean, like uh, every village in this country has its has own Facebook like group, yeah. Facebook group and the, the amount of infighting. I'm like, yes, I get. And some people were, and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I did. And maybe I shouldn't, <laughs> but you know, cause neighbors would sort of do like a joint barbecue if they were both in their front gardens, but that's yeah. against the thing. But I remember even having a conversation. But we could fox hunt if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And then, we, <laughs> then we had bubbles, the bubbles of sex yeah. or whatever it was. And I remember saying to someone who was in my bubble when they admitted they went and uh, oh, I met so and so and went for a walk. I'm like, look, no, you can't do that. You're one of my look. I, I work in a I work in a school with you know, a thousand people. Like yeah. I can't risk it by you bringing in something. Because that's the thing. As long as no one believes, well, it's okay for me to do this then we're all right now you can have a conversation about what was the use of any of it i don't know but it's what we were told to do and while we were trying to keep people safe i was willing to it's amazing listen to the language i'm using keep people safe crazy it's it's like you i think we realize how this could be weaponized Mm. because it's all it's all this rhetoric all sounds good right and there's people who who clearly disagreed with it we're I, the best at keeping ourselves safe. Yeah. I was all in. I was all yeah. in until I was all in until the Christmas party. Oh, yeah. Because my, my, when I think about the Christmas that people spent and yada, 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 and uh, not getting, and then finding out, that, oh, that was it for me. That was me going, okay, I, 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 I forget it. Do what you want. Do what you I want. I worked in, uh, in the supermarket uh, during during that. And I remember when the news broke that, you know, we were going to go into a lockdown. Three weeks. Boxing. Yeah. For three weeks, uh, just before, like, was it Christmas Eve or Boxing Day or something? And we, we all go. Oh, the suckers. We, we were going back into lockdown. We were going back into lockdown. And there were all yeah. these tears, depending on where yeah. you lived in the country. And we, we found out that Norfolk was in one of those tiers. Because we went from we being like, brought. we went from being, yeah, you can go ahead. And we were like a safe place. Yeah, and then you, they you're, you're fine, and, and then, then overnight boom. they changed it. The whole country went bad, and I'm like, oh, I'm not having this. We we all got brought into a staff room. Like there was maybe three people on tills for this moment, and they went, "We've just got word of this. We have been told. We've been asked for you to tell customers what's going on." And what? I look back. 
Yeah, they were like you, because they were like talking about Christmas, and because it was such such news, they were basically like like make a know. giant poster up and put it up on the, the doors when they walk in. That's not yeah. your job, jeez. Oh no, it shouldn't have been. But I was like, okay, I get because people were like, oh, I'm gonna go because you you know you have that conversation. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go sit. I'm like, no, what you don't want. I don't want, want to be the one. To you don't want you this, the kid but. from Tesco telling you this. No disrespect exactly. intended. Oh but, no, I, yeah. I thought it was a dumb idea. Oh, this is but just think, asking for 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 for, for confrontation and conflict. Oh. The, the, I, I, I got cussed out a lot yeah. that night, but I think about that a lot. Like that was, that was, th- I was the, every single person's face that like either broke or was furious and then going that same day there, there was that party. Yeah. I think about, I think about it endlessly. Yeah. It's just a, that was me being done. I'm like, I'll never yeah. win this one back. <laughs> no matter if you're one of the people who's like, Hey, cause there were some people who were like, Hey, never did it. Oh, look at me. Well, no, not that the people who be like, yeah. Hey, He's doing, no matter how well or poorly you thought the leader of this country was doing, the people who support him could always go, hey, we don't know how someone else would have done in this situation. But once he did that, I was like, no, I don't care. I don't care. He threw a party. He threw a party. He threw a party. Not I think about that with the, that they always do that, like, side by side with the photo of the queen at Prince Philip's funeral. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I'm like, oh, that's like, picture paint to that. That is, is probably going to be one of the most memorable british there was like there's a picture pages ever there's a picture of of bojo with his head down and they went this is the shoulders of a man who's carrying a nation this is the pain <laughs> and i'm just like like is it we, we we have a newspaper here called the daily mail it is the yeah. um for the most part it's the best selling as far as actual like you pay for it um yeah. newspaper in the uk but it's very right-wing leaning and staunchly yeah. supports the conservative party and when they turned on boris johnson you know it was bad. like yeah when they're like we need to get away from him for for our sales perspective that's a bad situation they didn't yeah. turn towards labor they just pro-conservative anti-boris johnson anyway mm. we return back to our uh, <laughs> um so uh, Joshua hides in a little cabinet. I think they call it a nightstand in the film. And Guido quickly puts flowers on top of them. And he finds Joshua inside because of sneezing. Now, this isn't really ever spelled out. I thought it was allergies. But clearly, as the film went on, I think it's that he's got his mother's trait. If yeah. I sneeze when I do something I don't want to do. But yet him hiding prevents that. Do you know what I mean? Like he's actively yeah. getting away. the sneezing. It was an interesting trait, and they wanted to show he's carbon copies of both his parents. But yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, he finds Joshua inside. Joshua insists, "I had a bath on Friday," and closes it back up. It also opens the idea of hiding, which is an interesting perspective because we're going to see this yeah. again. Dora returns. I got my notes here. Dora looks gorgeous in this scene. I thought oh, she yeah. looked amazing. Now, I know we got the AGM coming up, and you know, but I'm like, look, the, neither of these two are spring chickens. And I'm like, <laughs> and, you know what? Maybe this film wouldn't get made in North America because of that. I'll be interested mm-hmm. when we get to yeah. it to see kind of where we're at. Um, Guido uses Schopenhauer to bring the flowers over, which is also a, a really nice callback. He's like, you want the flowers? Maybe the flowers will come to us if the nightstand will bring them over. <laughs> I thought this was cute. And Dora just goes, really? The nightstand just looks dirty to me. And I was like, and he, uh, Joshua comes out and he's like, good morning, princess. <laughs> and then grandma comes over. I'm like, oh, wonder if there'll be any strife about, about grandma coming over. Nope. It's just a giant yeah. misdirect because we get to see through Dora's perspective that uh, her son and husband have been taken somewhere. Yeah. 
Whoo! And Dora Silent, which didn't happen that often in this film to this point. No. We then cut to a shaky cam of Jewish persons being who've been rounded up. And Joshua's, they're in this car, and everybody's just forlorn. He wants to know where they're going, and Guido hides from what's going on. And all the time, there's cutaways to emotionless faces, and Guido and Joshua are even costumed in, like, muted colors. Yeah. Which jars with the way he's presenting everything, which is going to be kind of the main, I guess, conceit of the rest of the mm-hmm. film. Oh, we're going to go on a train. Oh, what were this? No, yeah, this proves you've never been on a train before, yeah. little man. Even the uncle joins in. And yeah. uh, he brings them in. I guess for a moment they have to be free of the reality of what's coming on because everybody except for Joshua knows why they're in that car. Yeah. And Guido continues to know self a danger and laughs with conviction. He's laughing. And I'm like, how hard is that to laugh? Mm. That's a really hard push on this one because it's going to be the right kind of laugh too. Yeah. Yeah. Without uh, it being like sounding pain, but it gets this yeah. really nice like, like a, it's got to sound nine. somewhat authentic but not authentic enough yeah. that we don't know that it's not a put on because we do know it's a put on but not yeah. so much that it feels disrespectful to the subject matter you're dealing with it's really tough mm. and i think it's important that we oh here's what it is i think it's important they build up so much goodwill with the audience because as much yeah. as dora's getting kind of uh what's what i'm looking for here um dora's getting seduced might be too strong a word but you know where i'm coming from here as yeah, much as no, she's getting mean. one over to find him endearing so are we and we're gonna yeah. need that because otherwise when he does this it might come off a totally different perspective i i i looked like after i watched the film uh i looked at like different people's readings and someone's like oh this is he's disgusting he's so infuriated why is he making a joke i was like yeah but b- depending on how you view him in that first half it really it changes how i will say this seen. it's not too often that we put forward a movie and the mm. reaction in the the patreon group chat or even people just just reactions in general are outwardly um negative i guess i would say mm. yeah. and there have been a few on this one and i was like it's really interesting people seem to have a very strong feeling on this one one way or the other i think it, it can really hit a like a nerve especially because of how it is presented because of the, the how serious it is and also you, you, yeah you've got the subject matter which is very serious and a tone that shakes that off and the I question think i think you have to ask yourself so. is within the the confines of narrative and character mm. just because he's playing it off as a non-thing for his son doesn't mean he's muted to what's actually occurring he has a lot of like facial reactions at points because there's a, there's a scene later that we'll, we'll get to and he where you really see him break. Yeah, um, there's two, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, um, uh, Joshua falls asleep and then he goes to his uncle. Where do you think we're going? And they get to the train station. The whole way along, he's still in character, if you will. He compliments mm-hmm. the organization of the trip, which is like a really like there's a commentary there about like the nazis were organized (laughs) they got there like it's the only way you can make this happen yeah oh they said i'm glad i got my tickets just in time and this is like the coldest because you got to read it through a filter right and you listen to what he's saying you know i'm glad my tickets in time i wouldn't want to walk up and hear your full go home i'd be like wait up we have a reservation leave some room for us mm-hmm and they're like oh the train to make chairs have you ever been on a train before no you stand up it's all wood and they just close the panel on them and it's all dark and adora the whole time 
has been chasing kind of down and she goes to this di- uh, diplomat not diplomat this dignitary i guess this, this guy in the, in the, in the army and he's like there's a mistake my husband and my son are on the train and he looks it up and he even names the names and goes no nope, no mistake at all we, we also have uh you know the uncles on there as well and she's like i want on the train and he ignores her because why would you want to go on the train yeah. if you don't have to go why go and she asks again and the last time she almost yells at him Mm-hmm. and he seemingly ignores her but then he stops the train and tells her to go on and she's got a splash of color she's in a very vibrant red compared to everybody else now she's not jewish it would seem no it seems that she must be because they wouldn't be having that you you would theorize she wouldn't be at that dinner party uh with those people if she because they could just as easily be having a conversation about jewish people yeah because it was another conversation going on at the time wasn't it yeah so, it's 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 I guess it's like it's that version of the the Jewish conversation without explicitly making it that because of you know would what later been, comes. Would it have been easier if they just gave her like a crucifix necklace at one point when they were like dating, and she's just so we see that he knows that she's not Jewish? Maybe just as a I visual, just as a visual indicator, because that decision to say I want to go on the train is huge, mm. especially oh, definitely. I had tears in my eyes as, the, as as this scene played on. It's hard because I say. You know, when you take notes, especially on a first watch. Um, So I, I, the one thing I do is I don't look up, I don't look up um, trivia. Yeah. By trivia, I mean like, hey, did you know that on this part, this this actual thing was a, (laughs) was a thing because it spoils things. I discovered that when I did like, you know, Angels with Dirty Faces. I'm like, I know most of the movie. I really wish I didn't. So Mm. I wanted to give myself that, but the act of of stopping and taking notes and how long it took and I had to have a break. It just yeah. I, I, it loses the ability to have immersion, mm. um, and because it was so it's so dialogue heavy. Like any movie that's got dialogue heavy, I'm, I'm yeah, it's it's gonna take me forever. Yeah. Um, so uh, Joshua's excited to see, and we see it from his perspective, and the camera goes behind the uh, the grate in the train. Yeah, so you see from his position of um 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 um, um incarceration, if you will, mm. and. He's so excited, and you see Guido go, oh, and you see the fear and the anguish. And this whole movie is more powerful because of dramatic irony, because we know what's going to happen to these characters. And the train then speeds off with a strangely optimistic phrase on the score. Like, for a brief (laughs) moment, it's happy because the family's together, kind of. Yeah. And we get to the concentration camp. And my question is, and I want to look this up while we're on, is this Auschwitz? I think it's supposed to be. I think it is it's supposed to be. It's never explicitly said, but like it I'm guessing this is like also cuz Auschwitz was is like walked about as the, the 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 major one. The big thing for me is the train tracks that come all the way yeah. in. So I just want to see if it is Auschwitz. Uh for a concentration camp mm. uh no it's just it's just it's just a camp from what i can see uh i've been to auschwitz which is why mm. i went it doesn't look like auschwitz to me but it is a concentration camp well that was the only constant many concentration camps yeah. tragically um it's hard i went to it i was on holiday with some colleagues um friends kind of that that weird acquaintances yeah. not quite friends no certain intended any of them one of them was even uh listening to the pod for a while so if you're still listening mm. what up 
Um, we went, and it was a good time. It was a good time. And uh, we went, and it was Krakow in Poland. Yeah. And uh, that would be a long way to go, actually, from Italy. But um, we went to Auschwitz, and we knew it was going to be like a half-day trip. So we're like, why don't we go? I don't know if I've shared this story. I'll share it now. So you get there. And so I'm trying to think really carefully about what do you wear, yada, yada, yada. And there's a general rule as a Canadian. What you want to do is you want to wear something that indicates you're a Canadian when you go international because people otherwise will assume you're American. And there have been stories about, you know, Americans get treated worse than than Canadians to a degree that, you know, you hear – legends of americans sewing maple leaves on their backpacks so they get treated a little bit better um and my mom used to say that when we moved to england people treated her a bit rough till they realized she was uh canadian and not american now mom could spin a tail so yeah yeah who knows but uh that is there's a stereotype so i'm wearing this this canada hockey jersey yeah i'm like i just don't want to be mistaken for an american and so we're driving to no disrespect to Americans. It's just what, 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 what we kind of do, so that people don't assume they want uh, people's assumption to hear my accent and go, "Oh, you're Canadian," rather than you're American. That, that's really yeah. what it is. And we're driving to on the on this coach on this bus to uh, Auschwitz, and they've got like a little video playing, so you can you know, if for some reason you didn't know where you <laughs> he, were headed, here's the easiest way to discover. Here's here's a little documentary we show everybody on the way up so you realize the <laughs> historical significance of what you're walking into. And I'm pretty well versed. I got a history degree, right? Yeah. Oh, well, what I did not know is that they, well, I do parts of it. So when they came in, they would take away all your possessions and all the belongings would get sorted and put into rooms in this uh, building. And yep. the building was called Canada House because oh, Canada no. was seen as a land of milk and honey. I'm like, this is the 1940s. Like, yeah. Canada's got some, there's still places that don't have internal plumbing in Canada in, in, in the, you know, some farm locations and things in the country. And I'm walking around with this jersey that says Canada on it. Now, thankfully, it's got a big old maple leaf. It's a hockey jersey. I'm a yeah. But I did walk around going, I just want the earth to swallow me up a little bit. I can't imagine, like, that that is like sitcom Seinfeld level. This is like it's not. I think it's more like a British sitcom. Yeah, in between it's in between is with half that or like, between, Peep Show. Peep Show definitely. Mark, oh, Mark would do it. Oh, absolutely! Like this is this is a Mark Cardigan thing all day long. And um, so there was that. And then there was so we're walking. Around, and it's really hard. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm like just a months into a separation as well, and I'm just yeah. like, oh, my world's falling apart. And I'm, which is great because if you feel depressed, like if you, walk, place to be. if you walk around crying at Auschwitz, no one really questions you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're like you're like, all right. Um, oh, he's just really affected. It was a combination of both. And I yeah. remember this sort of I don't know if it's a Western thing or not. This idea that you have to possess part of where you go. Maybe it's part of the Instagram generation or the Instagram effect. Yeah. Going there is not enough. You got to bring some of it back. I guess it's the same as the people who would chip off pieces of Stonehenge or the Berlin Wall or yada, yada, yada. Mm. So there was a little rock from Auschwitz, from one of the uh, sleeping quarters. And for a brief moment, I was like, I'm going to take this home. And I sort of stopped. Intrusive thought kind of thing. Pardon me? Is that intrusive thought of like 
No, no one could see. It's fine. No one could see. I'd be totally yeah. fine. I could have it on my. You say, hey, you see that? You, you know where that's from? And I got two things. Number one, what's its value as a conversation piece? I don't know. Besides being like, oh, that's really depressing. Like we were having a good night. And you brought up Auschwitz. Like from <laughs> it was something, something like the sleeping quarters. And then secondly, it was just this conviction in my heart to go. I don't know what the impulse is to want to have something, but definitely that's some juju you want to leave alone. Oh no! Like anything that would come, like any energy or oh, jeez, like, like yeah, no, I don't want to have that in my house. That's not uh, so. Made the right call, put it back, right, 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 and um, and man went by, and we got through it, and went back and bust back into town and there was a heaviness on my heart everybody like you go by it's the morning you're a little bit hey we're gonna go out for a trip and you come back and we went out for uh, the best pizza i ever had in my life is in krakow poland fantastic i wish i could remember the name of the restaurant i think i roughly know where it is if i passed it i could find it it's not right in the main square so i could find it again easily but tremendous pizza oh but man, did we need that experience of going out for lunch to shake it off? Yeah, I've only had one other experience like it. I went to the nine eleven ground zero, ground zero site. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before the museum opened up, it was just a couple of months away from opening, and sort of having it there. And it was on a school trip, and again walked back and was just silence. Everyone was trying to sort yeah. of both you know people in their thirties and fifties and teenagers trying to figure out what how do I process what I just saw. And we went across then to um, – we had to stop and wait for the Staten Island Ferry because we were going to go by the uh, Statue of Liberty. Mm. And while waiting, we ran up like a bus – well, like a, not a bus terminal, like a ferry terminal. And they had like food and that sort of chance to get – food's amazing. Food is a oh, way to sort of yeah. just break up and give you something else in the process and something else in. And it's 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 part of life. So food important thing i just wanted to ask a question if it was auschwitz because uh yeah, yeah. Well, i had that they, they started this year in uh, in january for my anniversary we went to uh to amsterdam and obviously amsterdam has the anne frank museum oh yeah and i i was gonna bring this up at some point because like i was i was i was really terrified to watch this film because it's about the holocaust and um my my grandma on my dad's side our entire our entire family bar her got uh wiped out during the holocaust because uh she was from czechoslovakia and they were all jewish and she was able to come to the uk as an evacuee and she she's the she's she's the only one Every, like everyone w- was gone out like we have letters that i i daren't read which is like this is our last letter we like we won't see you again mm. and the worst part is I am technically the only person of that entire family tree left alive, which is a horrifying thought because hmm. of just how devastating it is. No, I hear you. Mm. Hmm. A dour thing for, for this little comedy, but no, it was no. playing in my head the entire time. Like, cause I was like, about the Holocaust. Okay, let's see. Let's see where this goes. And that entire thing's running in my brain. Well, it's speak, very interesting. Thought. Speaking of the weird balance between yeah. humor, I mean, as, especially what we do with this podcast. Like, you know, we try yeah. to have we try to have some jokes and have a bit of a, a good time and treat things with a healthy level of respect and irreverence. In in We're joking about Fantasy Football like an hour and a half ago. In, in due course. Well, here's yeah. my question. 
Yeah. The train pulls into the concentration camp, and I've just gotten my notes. Is it weird that the train looks like the Hogwarts Express? It. Just, just saying. Um, it empties in the morning, which is an interesting thought process. Where you're going? Mm-hmm. Were they forced to just sit there overnight? And I'm like, yeah, they probably were. Yeah. And the, the worst treatment you can have. Yeah. It empties in the morning. They're instantly gendered. Men on the right, from our perspective, women on the left. And the train blocks your vision of each other. And Guido looks to find his wife. And they look free. And they look at each other, but then they're quickly turned around and separated. Mm. And Joshua says he didn't like the train. And Guido insists, well, that's okay. We're going to hit the bus home. And he says out loud to nobody, the bus, we're going to hit the bus home. And Guido tells his son that they're there to play a game. What game is it? Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a contest. We're all here for, basically, he's like, we're here for a Mr. Beast challenge. And the last one to survive uh, in, the, in the game, not in the, yeah. I'm using the word survive metaphorically. The yeah. last one to survive will win a prize. What's the prize? A tank. And I've got, this is so clever because the kid loves tanks. No, I, I have a tank. No, no, a real one. And now the kid's all in. He's, he's ready. He's excited. And so they go into the barracks and Guido, they get to the start and we're in the cameras inside the barracks shooting outward. And we see him walk in and we see him pause and it gives us a beat to watch us watch him deal with what he's seen. And then we get the reverse shot and it's all these men in the striped uniforms of the um, concentration camp and they look malnourished and they look thin they look gray gray and broken yeah. and all that stuff. And in that moment, Joshua turns into a child who just is a child. He's a five-year-old or whatever. He wants his mother. He wants a snack. He wants to go home. And Guido says, oh, has the man, and he asks this guy to the side, has the jam and bread man come by? Did we just miss him? And everyone's so good. They play along mm-hmm. so they don't break Joshua. And they go, yeah, yeah, he did. And, um, you know, a German soldier comes in and says something that uh, his new friend, um, Bartolemo, translates mm. for him. And he says, oh, he wants to know if anybody speaks German. And he puts his hand up and he goes, do you speak German? He goes, no, no, I don't speak German. But he walks on up anyway, which is probably effective because he wouldn't have to ask Bartolemo, you know, yeah. what would happen. So. And then what he does is he takes the entire speech, the orientation speech about the way things run, and he just sacrifices it to um, give his son the gambit of the game. And it validates the game that he's presented. Oh, it's it's, it's really well done. Mm. The reverse shot. So most of the shot is on him is on Guido at the front. But the reverse, we have the men on either side. It's probably the best shot in the movie. And then we just have um, Joshua in the center and sort of slightly elevated and sort of the, the sunlight hits him just ever so much more strongly. And we've got their emotionless expression and we've got his childlike wonder and everything. Um, and he says, uh, as he translates, he says that the, the, the mean-looking German man says, we will play the part of the mean men who yell. <laughs> and whoever's scared will lose points. And you can lose points for three things. Crying, asking for your mommy, and being hungry and wanting a snack. 
which are the three things he's most likely to do. And yeah. if you want the tank, he won't do these three things. Yeah. He's, he's, an, he's ensuring. A, that he protects his son from the, the horrors of what's happening. But B, also that his son's going to survive this. Yeah. Yeah. And Guido tells Joshua, we're going to have so much fun. And we smash cut to him carrying anvils in a hot, hot factory. Mm-hmm. And Bartolomeo is going to the hospital with a hurt arm. And he says, what's wrong with you? And then we haven't seen him. And he walks into the frame and says, I have to go to the hospital. And I thought this was the last we were going to see of Bartolomeo. You'd think. Oh, like- I thought he was done. I was like, like being put down because I couldn't understand then what was the importance of the reveal where he walked into the shot. Yeah, I thought this was like, oh, you you done. This is the end. You done. Yeah. Um, So uh, I've lost my spot. Sorry. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, this is when he's like trying to get um, Joshua to play like hide and seek, essentially. Not yet. Not yet. It's the first time. The first time he's in the factory. It's just us and him. Ah. And he almost puts the anvil down. And I've gotten my notes here. Benini's over-the-top performance, which overall is very good, doesn't seem to work so well here. Because this it's is suffering. Bit, you don't need... Yeah. I don't need that. Actually, you being quiet and watching me see you suffer would actually be a more powerful statement. Mm. Especially for the kind of character that... Yeah. He is, like, deep down. As the uncle said, sometimes silence is the loudest cry. Yeah. Uh, he explains when he gets back into the barracks that he has a number put on because the uh, the guy said, you're not on my list. You haven't paid your dues. And he goes, look, I have paid my dues. So he gave me a uniform number. And look, he put my number on my arm, making reference to the uh, to, to, to the tattoos that you would receive. Yeah, It's interesting. I'm, I'm not really one to watch a lot of. I mean, I did a whole course on fascism and film. Yeah. I think we were supposed to do this film. We didn't do it in the end. I, I forget what happened there. <laughs> But uh, the act of actual, the tattooing of a number is something that actually hasn't come up in a lot of the films I've watched. The only one I remember for sure that talked about it was, I believe, uh, the second or third um, new X-Men film. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a big thing about Magneto. Is like is his I backstory. Think, yeah, they, yeah. They, I think they opened the first one with that flashback, and then he's like, he's always saying like to... Look what they did to me. He knows what it's like, like to be rounded up. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's his whole mo about why he won't he won't allow any oversight of of mutants. How do you do that in 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 today with a reboot, and you still make it without them being like, I'm two hundred years old, but I've also always been here. I got there. Got some stuff I've sort out there for trying to reboot the X Men. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I hope we don't lose that backstory. That backstory is really important and really oh, it's, powerful. Oh, it's, it's integral. And actually, if you want yeah. to talk about using film, and we talked about films at the place you teach history, but actually, if you want to give someone an access point, because the further away we get from it. <sighs> there's know, a fantastic Magneto comic, which deals all, like, when he's in that. Yeah, he's like, I, I, so powerful. I work in a school, and it, you know, I think about my own life and Remembrance Day, and we, you know, some of the old soldiers, the last guys, would kind of come out, and they were a very advanced age the last mm. world war two vets but there he was there's someone who there's someone who went over and fought hitler you know what i mean he was yeah. there and kids don't have that anymore and as a result of that i look around in these remembrance day ceremonies and the kid it's just something that they stand through and maybe it was something i stood through i don't know but it's different it is different i always felt like at least when when i was a kid because there was still people around them before they'd passed they'd fought 
you, you felt the weight of it. Yeah. When they stand, when they walk, you, you they are like a, just a, a living monument to everything that. Yep. Yeah. Because when I was in school, it would have been around 93 to 97, so 42 years past the war. If someone was 18 years old when they went over to fight, 60 years old and up were typically yeah. up for it. So, yeah, doable. But you go forward 30 years, not a lot of 90 year olds. You know what I mean? Like, they're. They'd be noteworthy as being the one, as opposed to you know in, the, the nationally now, kind yeah. of as opposed to here's here's the group we we used to get like yeah. like like a half dozen to to a dozen would show yeah. up, so yeah so maybe maybe film's gonna have to be part of that process now I don't know possibly um Joshua says the other kids don't know the rules about or the first prize being a tank and he goes oh they're trying to trick you that's what's happening you <laughs> fell for that. And they said, how many points did you earn? He says, I earned 42 or 38 or something like that. I had so many, but then I dropped something, so I lost two. Yeah. But you earned so much to combine. That's 60. And 60 gets you a piece of unjammed bread. Uh, We go back to Dora. Um, The old are forbidden from working, we find out. And some woman introduces Dora to the concept of gas chambers and what it means when they send you to the showers. And if there's one sloppy thing I would say, it's the very next scene. Um, Guido's back in the the factory. And he does ask where they get all these anvils. And I'm like, great question. (laughs) <laughs> which was a little bit of dark humor but i was I, I was here for it i was like like where are all these anvils coming it's, from it's needed for just like a bit of levity yeah laughing in the face of injustice and uh then joshua jumps in and says hey they want us all to take a shower which is really clever because they've established he doesn't like taking showers yeah and i think it was referred to as a shower or a bath when he was doing it i think it was was it a shower I th- it was a bath in, when they were still when, at home, when they were still at home was it a bath yeah, okay. it was a bath then. then but he doesn't want to bathe. So this is a great yeah. reason for him to have this conversation. And he's like, leave. We're building the tank because he's not playing hopscotch like he said he was. Mm. Oh, that's why he lost two points. He fell during hopscotch or something like that. <laughs> um, so Josh refuses. Guido tells him to take a shower. He goes, no. So he's stubborn, just like his dad. Guido says, I'll take 10 points off if you do, if you get caught, yada, yada, yada. So uh, he says, hide until this is all over. And then we'll walk back together. And then we cut to the shower and we see Uncle Alicio being told to disrobe. And he's just quietly doing what you're supposed to do. A German officer, um, female, stumbles yeah. and Alicio catches her and asks her if she's all right. And it's this weird, this is awkward energy, I would suppose. It's, yeah. not, it's not really, con- con- she's not conflicted. It's just awkward. It's more like how, how they're like, I hate that you're the one who yeah. look, yeah. Yeah, I wish it was anybody but you who had just saved me. Not enough the to change anything. of it, yeah. But, oh, it had to be you. How, you know, yeah. in five minutes, I'll be here. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the barracks, Guido has somehow cottoned on that Joshua needs to hide for the rest of the time there. Because no one smartens him up. No. No one comes to him and gives him the speech that Dory got. But now he's 100% no showers. And it would have been good for him to have heard what happened and therefore looked at his son and had this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Then we cut to the woman sorting through the belongings, oh, the women, uh, the, uh, they're, they're sorting through the belongings of those who have been murdered, probably to put in Canada house. Mm. Oh, there's a, there's a part here that really, really uh, got me. Cause uh, when they're still in the truck, there's a little kid with a cat, with oh, like yeah. a kitten. And as, as uh, Dora's going through all the stuff, the cat is there like screaming. Oh, I didn't catch this. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, because it was like the kid's dead, the cat's looking for it, and it's destroyed. I was oh, waiting for some sort of a, a visual cue and didn't get it. Uh, yeah, I missed out. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that hurt. Um, Joshua was hiding in the wheelbarrow, we can tell because he's hiccuping, <laughs> which makes no sense because he wants to be hiding. Uh, I, I, it's, it's just for us to, yes. to have. So we know he's food. there. Yeah. And Guido sees a broadcast area being left unmanned, and he's drawn to the microphone. I'm sure I can't relate to that last bit at all. <laughs> and he then uses the chance to broadcast his own voice, and they send a love letter to his wife, and she hears they're okay. And um, then he goes, oh, the mean men are behind us. We have to go. And so they <laughs> run away. How he's able to escape this is beyond me. Oh, considering what does get him you know his his finality yeah. this that's that's more benign than how, lo- this. how long this is this message more. is this message like 90 seconds minimum it was like that like how long does it take you to run to the broadcast it's one microphone how long does it take you to run there and there's a kid we thought we killed all the kids yeah oh it's it's, it's absolutely staggering that we don't have a scene where they come scene. into the barracks and look for a kid mm. yeah and then you have I that great bit where you just watch the feet. You know, it's not in every yeah. movie, but I, but it, but it's it's not every movie because it's a really successful way to tell a story. I guess it's kind. Of, they try and pay it off with the scene like where he he's looking around for him and panicking. Like they, but, yeah. And I get the Germans can't speak Italian, so maybe they're like, "Oh, what's going on here?" But the minute you hear a kid, you hear a kid, you go, "Oh, oh. Nah. so um." Yeah. Um, so then uh, he's in the barracks and not nearly enough people come back. And he's like, where are they? They didn't make it, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And then um, he gets pulled out and taken to a medical examination. And it's Dr. Lessing again. Uh, and he recognizes him. And so do we. Yeah. And, and we're he like, says maybe he can help. And he goes back with, if you say my name, I'm not there anymore. Silencio. And the doctor just recognizes him and says, Guido. And we're like, okay, he recognized him. This is great. And uh, we then find out that he wants Guido to wait at a dinner that evening. But he's unable to find Joshua, though. This is mm-hmm. where I found out that uh, Josue yeah. is how you say his name. But we then hear the, um, the hiccups, and he's hiding at the bottom. And I felt they probably could have made this last a little bit longer, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, you, you silly little guy, you, yeah. you reps, Gallium. And he's told to come out and he says, no. And we're like, mm. what? And he goes, they make buttons and soap out of us. And it's like, whoa. Oh. And he says, how do you, lo-? no, no, they, you, know, you fell for that. And he goes, they cook us in the oven. And he's not, he's not letting them do the speech. No, he, he's, he is not budging. And Guido's like, oh, they're tricking you. And he's playing that same game again. And at first, the kid's not having it. And he says, where's all the other kids? And he goes, they're hiding. They're playing the game. It's, mm. it's just those kids left now. He goes, I want to go home now. 
And Guido's like, we're, but we're winning. He goes, no, no, I don't care. I want to, I want to go home. He goes, all right. And so he pop, he just rather than push me, he goes, all right, we'll go. It's a shame. We're not going to do whatever. Okay. And he tells the guys, Hey, take care of a tank and, uh, you know, take care of the, make sure the tracks don't get, get messed up and shine that gun up real, real nice and make sure it looks here, here and here. And then he goes on out and the kid sort of stops and he walks out into the rain and he looks back for, for Joshua and he goes, Are you coming? He goes, well, wouldn't want to catch my death of cold. I got terrible fever, terrible fever. <laughs> and he buys it at last. And that is a heck of a move. Cause I don't know yeah. where he was going next, which is, which is the, which is the reason why it's an enjoyable scene. I say enjoyable yeah. within the context of, of, of the film. It's what makes it an emotional journey. Isn't it? Yeah. Later, Guido sees German kids playing hide and seek and uses the show Joshua, but there are kids here. Look at them. They're playing the game, obviously. And it works. Joshua walks up on a German boy hiding in a letterbox, I think it was, of some sort. I think so, yeah. And then uh, the German kids are called in, and Joshua gets to see all these children who are obviously still alive. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the great part of of the character of Guido. He takes what's existing in the real world and finds a way to make it fit the narrative he's established. Uh, the German woman spots Guido and Joshua at this point, mainly because they're just in the middle of the courtyard. (laughs) And as soon as they see that the woman's calling everybody in, they make no effort to get out of there. No, I guess at this point he's like, I have, I have an idea. Guido, uh, Joshua spotted and Guido makes Joshua promise. No matter what, you don't say a word. This is the Mm -hmm. most important day for you in the game. Do not say a word. And so he's taken inside and fed at the same time that uh, Guido is waiting at this party and Guido is signaled by Dr. Lessing and told, Hey, we have to speak later. And he's like, all right. And this is masterfully done because we think, Hey, I have hope here. His buddy is here because we've seen this trope. Yeah. You know, Joshua is given some food and accidentally says, grazie. And this very Aryan-looking waiter is like, what? And meanwhile, Guido's trying to give him the next piece of dessert to give out. And he's like, no, 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 we're, we're going to unpack this and goes and gets the uh, woman we saw earlier. Uh, but when they return, bloody brilliant. Oh, yeah. They come in, and we smash it. The Guido's taught all the kids to say grazie, and that gives the the uh, the reason for why the kid naturally just said it. Mm-hmm. He gets in trouble for talking to the kids when he was told not to. But I guess you can't kill the waiter because then who's going to give out the food? So, you know, your own selfish needs get in the way there. And Guido tells Joshua, hey, we may have to leave the game early, but we're doing really, really well. But it's one because he thinks, hey, this is help is coming. And Lessing signals Guido over by knocking over a drink and then begins to tell him a riddle. And the heartbreak oh, heart sunk. on Guido's face is immense as he realizes this man's got no interest in helping me. He sees me as I'm, a tool. I'm just the guy who who tells him the riddles. There's no yeah. humanity he sees here. He's and, like he's like I can't send my own riddle unless I figure this. You got to help me as if like yeah, he's the one that's the language more in the trouble. Yeah, and it's I would say this. It's hinted at at that first scene. He won't even eat. No. He won't even eat if he can't get the riddle right. And so he becomes, he even says, I become obsessed. And so we see it here. 
and Lessing can't help. And the words, help me, Guido. And then he goes, help me. I can't even sleep. So Guido happens to be where the music's playing. And I guess as part of his duties of being a waiter, he also gets to be the DJ. Yeah. And he finds a record and smiles before turning the gramophone towards an open window. And I'm pretty sure it's the song from the opera. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dora goes to the window and I'll tell you what. um, I I forgot the actress's name. Um, Have it written down for the age game. I'll see if I can get it. Nicolette Brush Brushy Brush Spot B R A S C H I Brasky Brasky Yeah Brasky um, would be my guess because it's yep. not it's not bruschetta it's bruschetta so Brasky <laughs> that's that's the closest any Italian listeners yeah. out there let us know um, but her performance in listening to this and slowly breaking without words. It's amazing. We've established this. Like I'm a guy who generally typically Mm. needs dialogue. Whereas Georgia um, is very good at reacting, acting. And uh, Mm. yeah, it'd be a good, good, good shot there. Um, On the verge of being fully broken. Uh, Guido, somehow it's going to be really hard for him to get Joshua out of there. Turns out it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. No one's later is like, hey, where's that other kid? (laughs) Where's the one that started off that grazie chain? Yeah. Um, Guido's reunited with Joshua and talks about maybe he's falling asleep. Says maybe this is all a dream and we'll wake up and there'll be milk and cookies and I'll make love to your mother two or three times (laughs) if I'm able to. (laughs) But then, and the whole time they're surrounded by some fog, and he thinks maybe I've taken a wrong turn. And he gets to the end of this, and I'll tell you what: I got the big seventy-inch TV here. Even I wasn't one hundred percent sure. This is a this is a pile of dead bodies. Yes? Yeah, okay. I had to re- I had to rewind to make sure. But oh god, because I I could it was almost like I couldn't believe what I was seeing either. Yeah, you knew they're building up to something because it was like thick pea yeah. soup. Yeah yeah they wake up in the middle of the night there's gunfire and fire outside and bartolemo tells us that the war is over but they mustn't get on those trucks because they leave full and come back empty yeah guido bails and tells the boys hey thanks for everything on the outside we should all start an anvil factory (laughs) uh he tells joshua hey we're only 60 points away from victory and all the commotions for them and for him especially you need to hide in the box that the german boy was in earlier and he goes, no matter what happens, you 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 stay there, okay? Mm-hmm. He goes running for Dora, but we see the women are being guarded much more closely than the men are. So he tells Joshua, hey, if I'm really late coming back, that you're not to come out. Which I felt this signpost at the end of the movie just a little bit for me. Yeah, I think at this point he he knew where he, where he was ending anyway, so I think that was... Oh, more- I think he does, but I just think... Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know what the, what, how I would have preferred it. Yeah. It's a weird thing to put, because, like, that's what someone would say in real life. Yeah. But also, narratively, it it feels a bit... I feel you still need me to wonder yeah. if he's going to make it out so that it's more powerful yeah. when he doesn't. Yeah. Um, He's not to come out. He then kisses his son and says goodbye. It's the only time he kisses him, I think, in the whole thing. I think, yeah. And it's the only time he says ciao you know what i mean so like all right a dog is coming for joshua 
and won't leave it alone. There's some officers talking to each other, but the dog's going nuts for Joshua's mm-hmm. mailbox. And Guido uses the uh, mind control he's been using earlier in the film to stop them from, from the dog and make it change his mind. And, and it works to whatever yeah. you want to put into it. He believes it works, and that's enough, isn't it? Guido then dresses as a female prisoner and tries to find Dora. And he tries the, the their barracks, not there. And then he tries a truck, and it's the wrong Dora. And he tells them, I'll jump off the truck. And he's trying to save lives. And uh, there was a great spot earlier where uh, he climbs up this, like, uh, ledge on this pole. Yeah, and, like, hides from the spotlight. And he barely misses the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, he's about to be... Uh, so a- as that happens, he's, he's, he's uh, seen by a, a female officer who blows her whistle and then they're following him, and the spotlight moves by him in the exact same spot, only this time it comes back and finds him. And he gets off that thing so slowly. And you want him to run, and you want him to sprint, and he's just done. He's tired. He's about to be shot by an underling when an officer tells him to take him somewhere else. And for a brief moment again, I have hope. In my brain, I was like, Maybe, is this the doctor? Is this the doctor cat? Is he going? Yep. No, no. He's then walked by his son's hiding spot and has one more moment where he winks at his son and then he marches in the same silly yeah. way. He marched to the prefects all the way back in the town. And they go around a corner and we stay on one. They kind of go off camera to the right where there's an alleyway and we stay in a fixed spot. And then we just hear gunfire. Mm-hmm. and we see the soldier come back, but we don't see Guido. Mm-hmm. And as Smash Mouth said, then the morning comes, and we cut, and every, I'm like, maybe he'll, because you're hoping, I hope, maybe he'll somehow come around <laughs> the corner, some, yeah. or something happened, and no, we cut to morning, and I was like, oh, okay. And they're getting out of Dodge, and the camp is empty. And as soon as they leave, all the Jews who are in hiding come on out. Most, I mean, the sound is so good. They're dragging mm. their feet. And there's not many of them, maybe. Well, it looks like there's not many of them. Later, it looks like there's a whole lot more. You can hear the weight of it as well. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it echoes through. And then Joshua comes out of the post box once they've left. And we've sort of lingered on the one shot the whole time. Yeah. And it's just the diegetic sound of the wind blowing and then what it's blowing around. And I've got my notes. I really hope someone gets him and he's not sitting here forever. And then a tank comes by and almost like saving private Ryan. We're like, is this tank going to like uh, run over the kid? I no, That's the thing. He was like, he was so happy. And I was going, don't do this I, to me. Yeah. I, st- I started crying because I was getting flashbacks when we did the hate you give. And they, they like do the bait and switch on us with the kid. I was like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't do, don't do this to me. And uh, the tank barely stops before it hits him. And then there's a an American GI comes out. And he is the most odd oh, gee whiz boy. Gosh, he oh, is. This oh, guy golly is, gee, mister. This guy is mom's apple pie. This guy has not been hardened by war. <laughs> when, when I think like the first ever superman this is like odd oh swell mister i can't wait to see what i do in the big city and uh we have the theme of the film he gives him a lift in the tank come on in i'll give you a ride because he thinks he thinks this is the tank he's won yeah (sighs) 
and the theme of the film once more pops in. I've gotten my notes. It sounds a little more brassy, which is a little bit more John Philip Sousa. It's a bit bom- more bombastic, yeah. but bum, like in a bum, military bum, way. Bum, yeah. bum, 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 like a lot of horns. Yeah. Because up and it was it was the softer, sweeter version earlier. And then we hear as they're driving down the tank passing people, we hear Mama and it's Dory. Dory got out. Yeah. And we get the voiceover that my father gave me a sacrifice and he gave me a gift. And the kids go, we win. We get to take the tank home. And there's this freeze frame. And that's uh, the end of the movie. And then, then the original uh, theme comes in and it is different. There isn't the mm-hmm. horns and it's a bit more, there's less instruments, but that gives it's it a, be- somber, a simplicity almost, yeah. and a beauty to it. Almost a fragility to yeah. it. So that, and then that becomes our movie so uh that is life is beautiful we're in the end game now and we are on the end game now like i said i'd never seen it before and didn't really know Mm. what i was getting into um a strange one i think i've had more experience recapping it than I did watching it, maybe because the, the the responsibility on me when I watch it is to give is to be able to make sure I'm it's getting everything. Reflection as well. Oh, it is. Yeah, I, I didn't know what I was expecting because with box of broadcast, they have this thing where like they'll have like you know the the talk over four. It's like you're watching BBC Four, and now for the first time since its Oscarial debut, the the black comedy of blah. An interesting fact that you and I was like. Oh, it's like a Holocaust comedy? Okay. It, it really took me for a loop. Yeah. It, it, in a really good way. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, it's one that... Uh, I mean, we're going to have to do Schindler's List one day. Yeah. And this is hard enough. I mean... I'm, I'm going to have to take a weekend for that. The pianist, I mean, when Liam and I we famously want, I remember sitting there with him and him saying, I don't know if I can watch much more of this. And, and, and we managed to get to the finish line. We, we ended up making it through it because there's a tonal shift in the second half. Thank God yeah. there's a tonal shift. The second or third act? Anyway, it turns into a much different movie. Mm. Um, I still need to watch that at some point. Yeah, and the, I guess the, the better part of that one, I guess, is the idea of the tonal. It turns into a, into a less difficult movie to watch in the final third. Okay. Second half, final third, whatever it might be. And actually, it's like act two, which is the really hard one. I had that with Mother. Because that, like, it, it, it's structured and shot and, like, directed like a bad dream. But because it's a bad dream that you know you can, like, you can leave at any point, it somehow feels worse. Because you're controlling when you start. But this film gave, films like that. This film gave me a really sweet first half. Yeah. And then went, all right, get ready to have it all tested. I think that's why it works so well. It's like a, for for how I feel, it's a very simple conceit. And I was thinking as it was going on, I get it, I get it. You're hiding it from your kid. Mm. Isn't there more? And I'm like, no, actually, doesn't need to be more because that's not what mm. this is. This is a story about. It's a journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. Mm. Um, um, we're still gonna, we're, we're, we're we're not. We're here to do what we do, which is to have fun and talk about movies and da 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 mm. da da. I, I'm still not opposed to a random word. If we can find one that's uh, that jam. feels jam, 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 yeah, jam. It is jam that jam. Yeah, uh, there we are. Jam is the random word. What can you do with jam? That should give you lots of options, folks. I already got a couple in my brain, but I'm sure that you will like 
go on your list. Yeah, I've I've got I've got one. Um there we are. So let's talk about money, money, money. The budget was twenty million dollars US, which I was stunned by. Wow. Yeah. Um, for the reasons we talked about earlier, production values yeah. didn't seem as high, but then again, maybe you're just paying a premium because it's harder to get things out. Yeah, who knows? Mm-hmm. Plus, you need a, a big, a big sort of extra ensemble for that. You, yeah, you do. Yeah, that's probably yeah. where a lot of it went, actually. Mm. Where, how much do you think this takes home globally? Which is what we always do. We always do global. Ooh, I want to say, I'm going to say like 45. I think it doubles it just. $229.3 million. My goodness. It takes on forty incredible. it takes on forty mil in Italy alone. Um oh, wow. highest grossing foreign language film in the US for a couple of years. It, it, it would be beaten by Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but for a couple of years it, it holds the record. Oh well. Why does it make the money, money, money? Because it got nominated for seven Oscars. That makes sense. Can you name the nominations? Ooh. I'm going to say best picture and foreign picture because that sometimes was a contentious thing because that happened with... Uh... How do you want to do this? you want to know which ones you win or do you want to fit the short list of, of nominations first? I got the, I'll do the short list for Yeah. Yeah, so you're right on both of those. This is up for best picture and best foreign language film. Oh, is there a performance for uh, best actor? For, for uh, Roberto Benigni Robert. is nominated for best actor. Ooh, maybe supporting actress for nicola no i'll say this okay. he is the only acting award that gets nominated okay i'm gonna say script it's is it it's is it an adapted script or is just like technically it's written down as original screenplay okay despite cool. the fact that he said it was he was i guess if you're yeah. inspired by something isn't the same as adapting something so best yeah. original screenplay oh uh, i'm gonna go with school yeah score is one of them yeah hmm. so there's two left oh maybe costume that's surprisingly no. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I always forget the name of this, but it's basically it's like set essentially. Uh, that would be usually it's art design, I think. Art, art direction, design, yeah. art direction, art direction. No. Oh god. Uh, uh one is more post production. I was going to say there another for ooh 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 sound mixing. I would have thought sound would have been something, but it's not actually yeah. in this. Oh, okay. Uh, does does Roberto Benini get another one for best director? He gets nominated for best director. He does. Uh, of course, he does. And then there's one more, which is because that would be in production. One more, it's post production, yeah. which is best editing. He gets a nomination. Yeah, for that that makes sense. It wins three. Ooh, I'm guessing best picture. It does not win best picture. Oh, okay. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my second, which is then foreign. Film. Yeah, it's if you're nominated yeah. for best foreign language film and best picture, you're winning best foreign language film. Like that's just a yeah. Given. I don't, I don't know because I don't know why I said that when the big thing with uh, Parasite was it was the first film to win foreign picture yep. and best picture, and yep. that was like a big, big, that's a big thing. deal. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's ooh, one. This, I'm gonna say maybe the score. The score does win actually. Excellent. Yeah. I okay. loved. I couldn't tell you much more besides the uh, the trill, but beside like, that one main theme. It was that, yeah. and there was like a, there was, there was like a darker version of the same theme. But I, I really, works. I thought it was beautiful. I thought yeah. it was a, I was sitting there going, why doesn't this get more love? This should have been nominated. And then I went and looked at the awards. Went, oh, okay, fair enough. Oh, there we go. And there's one more. Oh, okay. I want to say Benini gets gets actor, but I don't know what else came out in '97. Benini gets actor. I don't, you know don't, don't look it up yet. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I, if if I did what I thought I was going to do, I think I open 
this episode with the uh oh yeah with with with, with, with the course. oscar announcement yeah of course so uh also gets three bafta nominations we won't, we won't make a guess those mm-hmm. it has nominated for screenplay foreign language film and actor and it's benini's role as an actor that wins okay uh it also wins the grand prix at the Cannes film festival which i believe is like film of the festival so and it's Cannes. That's, so. that sounds about right yeah um i've got who is your cast as who um <laughs> It's like if you were like Muppet this movie, I don't think I don't think that's a fun time. Um, we're definitely not going to Muppet the movie. I'll tell no, you that much. Mm. You're a good person. It's sort of laughing in the face of perseverance to keep everyone's spirits up. Whenever we did shows, we were all feeling down. You always, I'll be the dad. You can be the kid. How's that? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I survive. Just like really, really big eyes and everything. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, the kid's on my short list for, for like, he's kid of the good. year. He's so he's good. He's really good in this, and it's all visual. It's all visual. Yeah. Uh, did this film have a villain problem? It's difficult when it's, like, a major, like, I, I mean, I mean group. the villain's implicit in the sense that it's Hitler. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's the Holocaust itself. It's the Nazi regime. It's all of it, yeah. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, Dr. Lessing, wow. That's a powerful moment. What a turn, yeah. yeah. Uh, whose story is it? Well, that's pretty stupid, isn't it? Um, what is the story here? Triumph over adversity, I guess. That's right. The title, Life is Beautiful. Yeah. Always look on the bright side of life, even if you have to sell that for someone else. Mm. Um, I'd like to think, I would have loved a piece of dialogue about it. I would have liked to have thought that somehow he made everybody else's burp by, by, by doing this pantomime of a thing. Yeah. I like would have, what would have Bartolomeo or something like that was with, was with the guy's mother and said, you know, Hey, he made everything a little yeah. bit lighter for all of us. That, I mean, there's, there's something in that, isn't there? Oh, definitely. he brought us, he brought us on board and the suffering didn't seem as, it makes it sound silly. It didn't sound as bad as a result. Like I think there was a camaraderie I felt with yeah. everyone in, in everybody has a shared responsibility yeah. for Joshua to a certain degree, except for when they're like, where's Joshua? And they're like, eh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> my problem today. Yeah. Um, roll of women. You know what? For, for how it's done, we don't get like, many women until the second half and the women that we do get in that second half they're all going through their own different struggles and i think that's really interesting to showcase but but dora oh my god she is she is just as capable and quick-witted throughout the first half as as guido is yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of a day, it's a, it's a story about a father and a son. Surprisingly, yeah. you think it's about the mother, but the son becomes the best of both parents, which we see. He literally has the traits mm. of both parents. Uh, she's what, the, that scene, that scene where she's listening to the record. Hoo-hoo! And the fact that actually it's not the men who catch Guido in the end. It's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something in that. And it's a woman who has that moment with Uncle Elisio. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it's a good movie for role of women. I think they get the full gambit of characters. Just you know, the character—it's supposed to be the story about had his dad the superhero. So the movie's largely leaning towards his dad the superhero. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got other big questions. Okay, should we consider that if he just hung out with 
with uh, if he just hung out with Joshua for the night, he'd probably been reunited with his wife. Probably. Yeah. There's 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 a lot of what if or but, like what what about this isms you yeah, can, he, you can have. But. He doesn't know. He knows his son is is probably yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah, but actually, maybe if he trusted his wife just a little bit more to sort of stay. Now she's not sending him messages like he's sending her. Yeah, looks like because that the ahead. last time they ever see each other is when they enter. Yeah, and they have that moment. Yeah. Like you get messages to each other, but it's all it is. Mm. So, um, yeah. So here's the question: Okay, did Roberto Benigni? It's another wartime film. Did he deserve to beat Tom Hanks for best actor? Oh, Saving Private Ryan! Oh my God! So I believe Saving Private Ryan's what wins Best Picture. So that's what this loses yeah. to. Yeah, but then, so if you look at the uh, if you look at up when Roberto Benigni's name gets named as Best Actor, Hanks is like like in a very positive way. Like you got to be kidding me! Like he did not see Who's this. this guy. I think on his way down, Benigni like sh- like hugs like all these a-listers like robin williams <laughs> Tom, like he's like oh. i need to see this clip he's the guy who's never going like he's never gonna be back again you know what i mean no. like I, I think he knows what this is for him and uh he's wonderful in his speech um because they win the way it goes is he wins best foreign language film first so that's the one that he sort of uses his big speech on because it's that, that's pretty yeah. much a slam dunk yeah then he wins best uh he wins best actor and he goes up there and he goes, I used up all my English on the first speech <laughs> and he doesn't know what to say because he didn't think he was going to win this one. And it's really <laughs> endearing. And he, he gives thanks to a bunch of people, including Harvey Weinstein, which is a bit hard to hear. Um, and they shoot him and he's like, he just looks like a schmuck in the audience. And, um, and then uh, he 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 thanks the little boy and says he was wonderful and then says it's a movie about love and he dedicates the win to his wife who's sitting right there with Aww. him who and i don't know how much english she speaks so whether she knows it's happening or not i don't know it is the most <laughs> endearing thing so yeah huzzah I uh, love that. did he deserve to be tom hanks oh okay. so the, what i was thinking ethan you curious to get your thoughts on it yeah is Saving Private Ryan's a very ensemble cast, mm. and that allows Hanks to kind of just hides the wrong word, but to play a very straight man performance while all the big characters yeah. happen around him. Life is Beautiful is Roberto Benigni on screen for an hour and 35 minutes of the hour and 51 minute runtime. Without him that he, like he has to he sells everything. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of nuance. I don't think it's just one guy doing a panto the whole time. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of listen to the words and listen to the face, but then look at the eyes. And I think there's yeah. a lot of that stuff going on throughout. So, um, plus Tom had won two Oscars like earlier yeah. that decade. Like Tom was not going to win another best actor Oscar in that. Tom's, in, in Tom's the 90s. Oscar almost represents the entire cast of the film. And I, it, it's kind of like, lucky that we've seen these two films pretty like close together yeah i didn't plan that but yeah such as yeah because obviously like saving private ryan put me in like such a position of like i love this but you know what performance wise i really think this like steals it for a, a, a good a good run it it's it's masterful 
It's also an underdog story. Who doesn't want yeah. to? Under- p- p- both, both the story of the movie, but also the story of his win. We, we love an underdog story. Yeah. Um, favorite character. I mean, this is going to be kind of a short lesson. Oh, yeah. It's it's Guido. Without without Guido, mm. this whole thing falls apart. Like he 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 saves me from feeling pure depression. It's not even the right kind of movie where you can go. Who's your next favorite? Because it's, it's yeah. pretty much tiered. It's gonna be Guido, then it's gonna be Dory, or the kid. Then it'll be the other one. Yeah. Then it'll be his uncle. Like yeah. it's just yeah. Uh, best moment, best element. Ooh, it's it's the performance during the. Uh, the 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 song when when dora hears the mm-hmm. hears the song it is it's it's beautiful it's haunting i'm gonna go with the construction of the story mm. so the idea of how the elements are going to be teased and paid off both in the romantic section which i loved but then also in the idea of uh, the callbacks and how he manipulates and uses the same tick tips he did to get the girl the same tips and tricks he uses to keep his son alive mm. Uh, I think that use of uh, foreshadowing and callbacks is uh, is tremendous. Yeah, uh, a grumble. Um, I, I guess it's the I don't know the logic of like the kid on the speakerphone. I guess that, that's that's re- <laughs> that's really it. Like this is done very well. Like I'll go, oh, you know what I didn't like about the film? How how upset it made me. But like no, there's there's a testament to the film. It is just the there's a there's a weird thick half like exactly halfway through the film i guess or the halfway through the second part of the story where i'm like it's entirely adding up but you know what you've got me so far i'm gonna kind of ignore this uh besides my experience with the sky cinema interface (laughs) uh, and the fact that it was just such a mile a minute and that's a good thing but man it was hard to take Mm. notes on it um I would have liked a little bit more, a couple more opportunities to see his struggle. So I could see more of a light in the dark. It's funny for a guy we just admitted deserved to win Best Actor. Yeah. But he wrote it. He directed it. I got to find a fault somewhere with him. And it's, (laughs) give me a few more moments to see him struggling with his side of it. I know that's kind of what the factory sides were supposed to be, but something. And it just feels like. Yeah, you're right. It just feels like he was 100% on and with it and resilient. And just a couple moments where he's a bit more broken would have been would have been good. It could give his uncle Alicio a chance to sort of boy him up for a minute or something like that. Yeah. Don't make him Superman. Let him be someone who, you know. And you know what? We get no reaction to his uncle's death. No. Hmm. Good point. Because Alicio, he never sees. Once they get off the train, he never sees Alicio again. Oh, that's that's why. I just answered my own question. But it, we never have a thing about how's Alicio. Have you seen Alicio? What's going on? Yeah, we no. get we get Dora's reaction to it, but no. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess that that's a substitute. Yeah, and the idea, I guess, that he cottons on to the shower without ever being told, yeah. and it would have been good if he'd known that. Um, where are we at here now? It's time for anybody's best role ever. We don't know anybody from anything else. So no, I think we can bypass that. Uh, therefore, it's. I never wanna hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? A 
age game, age game. It's just time for me to play the age game. All right. So the way it's going to work is I got a two-year cushion on each side, a tolerance, we would say, in the teaching yeah. game, a mark tolerance. If I am within two years to either side, I would be correct. Therefore, if someone were to say, oh, I don't know, John Travolta, and he was supposed to be 30 years of age, if I said anything from 28 minus 2 to 32 plus 2, that would be a correct point. My goal is to get three out of five. Okay. Here we are. So we have three in total. So this might even my be goal is to get two out of three. <laughs> uh, first, we have Roberto uh, Benini. Roberto Benini. Um. Oh, geez, he's. I bet she's the kind of guy who went bald young. So the hairline's not helping me here. Thirty-seven. He's forty-five. Shut up! I know. Okay. Uh, then we have uh, Nicolette Brushke. 41. 37. Oh, no, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've lost it. Wow. And it makes then, me feel uh, bad because I was like, she looks amazing for an older woman. She's not really. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, I, I got seven years on her. Jeez. <laughs> uh, then we have Giorgio uh, Cantarini, who is uh, Joshua. Okay, you gotta figure I can get this. It's open. I'm gonna go. I think this is the safest play. Yeah. Six. He's five. There we go. Got it. I was like, actually, he was 10. I'm like, if it's six, it covers me from four to eight. There's no way he's three, <laughs> and I really doubt he's nine. <laughs> so I was like, I feel all right here. He's fantastic. Like he's got I, I, five is what five I will years old. That's incredible. I will have to go. The only danger is that it's only you and I who are going to have seen this one. But yeah, I mean, it's not a guaranteed win for me. But I need. I'm going to have to go take a look because I was mm. really impressed with the kid in this one. Yeah, really, really impressed with the kid in this one. All right, uh, now it's time to go ahead and look at the critics: the good, the bad, and the ebs. Uh, oh, Ethan, awesome I think me. you've got yeah. that, don't you? So uh, we have Nell Minow from Common Sense Media, and I don't know if it's a man or woman. They write, uh, wrenching Holocaust fable with bittersweet humor, five out of five. Wow. Uh, Then Tom Dawson from BBC says, how appealing you will find it will depend on your response to Benini's screen-hogging routines. The line between endearing and irksome is a fine one two out of five yeah i think this doesn't play as well with i think this plays better with a, a north american audience than a british audience probably yeah because next we have roger ebert Ebs. and he says in the real death camps there would be no role for guido but life is beautiful is not about nazis and fascists it's about the human spirit and gives it 3.5 out of four yeah I put out a fleece as I was known to do. Is Ethan? I'm assuming you've been sent the the stuff from Georgia. Uh, yes, I have. So I said, is it a great film, good film, okay film, or poor film? Dude, this was all over the board when it first started. Like I said, wow. there's definitely a marmite factor to this. But 50 percent call this a great film. 13 percent call it a good film, which is nuts to go 50 percent think it's like uh, like top tier. Yeah. But then only 13% will give it a pass. So our beat root metric is only 63%. Because 25% call it okay, and 12% call it poor. Unless it's a lot of reactions. Yeah. 
I yeah. just, you either love it and you get it or you don't and that's not me being like you don't get it so you don't need it. no no it's just me going you you either go yes this is a i see the value in this movie i'd be really curious mm. i don't know if we have it from some people here uh maybe we do maybe we don't but uh i'd be very curious people who didn't like it to that degree to hear what was it about it that made you go kind of it's a bad movie Ooh, well uh if you want the the fifth seat rankings right now i we do have yeah we have two uh one of them i'm not gonna so count. just a reminder yeah. we don't uh we don't include the score until we get to the end of the episode yeah okay so the one i'm not gonna count and that's from uh dirk but his friends call him diggler uh he put i can't bring myself to watch this movie Reading the Wikipedia summary of this movie almost moves me to tears. I'm sure it's terrific, but it's not a journey I feel I want to take. Okay, so that's yeah, yeah that's just a you didn't see it, so you know yeah. There we go. Uh, wow. So does actual- this mean so whoever this is who signed in, they will have sole Patreon power on this one. Yeah, and this is shy, the shy guy himself, shy burger for him. Shy guy, shy guy. Interesting. Shy mm. is European. Yes. I forget exactly where. I want to think it's somewhere in the Scandinavian region. But anyway. I can't stand this movie. Being Jewish with close family members who survived the Holocaust, this movie, to me, laughs in the face of what they have been through. I can understand it making a comedy drama movie that takes place during the Holocaust, but this one felt cheap and poorly made. I remember it was generally loved when it came out, even earning an Oscar for the lead actor. When I watched it, I just hated it. I know I'm not objective here, but this movie just angered me with the approach it took to the subject matter. All right. Wow. Well, there's, it is, it is one of those films. It can really elicit, especially depending on, you know, yeah, and history. I, and I'm not here to, uh, to devalue someone else's opinion mm-hmm. or experience far, far, far from it. My Jewish ancestry is very much, uh, delineated from me i i've i've nothing less just like random stories and an urge to try and find like my own ancestry myself and like learn it so like i i don't even i don't feel like i'm like oh yeah see personally from this because i've I've not experienced the jewish faith firsthand like like outwardly Hmm. yeah um no, it's just a powerful statement. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends. Oh, I wonder. That's a big ocean between the two places. You know what I mean? Mm. And I, I said I postulated that was the word I was looking for earlier. Postulated. There we go. I postulated if this film plays better in a North American context than than it does in the UK, and definitely maybe even doesn't in, in, in Europe, mm. in the sense that with that ocean comes separation comes uh distance and space yeah and maybe that's why it was so much more well received i don't know uh i'm not gonna apologize for 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 enjoying the film i think people heard it and heard my response i can drop mm. the veil a bit uh, it doesn't really matter if people think i'm spoiling it but if someone goes i can't be doing with this i get that actually i'm gonna link it back to that walk back that that the, the, the students and myself and everybody had when we went to to, to the 9-11 world trade center some people wanted to take pictures and some people were taking selfies and some people were thinking it was terrible and i wanted to take a picture of some students and said hey can i take a picture because we had parents and we 
we're going to go look here. Here's, here's students at nine 11. It wasn't about mm-hmm. smile for the cameras. It was about kind of take your picture sort of as you look at this. And then it was appropriate. And I went, ah, that's fine. That's totally okay. But it was everybody trying to figure out their feelings on something. Yeah. And coming to different conclusions, everybody looking at this and going, I think this is this. I think this is that. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm not going to for a moment suggest that someone's, um, incorrect mm. for their feelings on that. Just no more. And I'm going to go someone who, who enjoyed it. Going to go. It's incorrect for their feelings. If, 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 if they do like it. And I know, I don't think that's what shy is for a moment trying to present. It's just shy is presenting his, uh, his, 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 we, we asked, what do you think of the film? And here's the yeah. reaction we got. So thanks a lot for sharing shy. I appreciate your honesty. Mm. Um, let's take a look here and go, uh, Oh, I've got the, uh, the fledgling fandom. Let's see what they said. Carlo says, "It's it's very curious." I'm gonna uh, so Carlos from North America, right? Yeah. Carlos from Puerto Rico says it's one of my wife's favorite, if not the favorite. I'd say it's between good and great. Weird thing is that the first it's the the first time I didn't really like it that much. Second time it hit way better. Uh, AJ from Canada, disappointing to me. But I get why it's a, quote, great film. It could just be me. I'm not a fan of films centered around the Holocaust. Uh, Off Radar, it's a movie podcast, says, I love it. Beautiful, heartbreaking, and thought-provoking. Can't wait for this one. And that was James. Thanks a lot, James. Hmm. Nostalgia Cast a Spell says, ooh, I hate Life is Beautiful. Just pandering and off-putting for me from, from the get-go. And Sam says, as from a middle-class film class, I was very disappointed. One of the most overrated films, I think. So definitely both oh, ends of the spectrum like my film marmite yeah. film so there we are there uh so uh if you like this film or episode you will would like um i'd say the pianist go to the pianist um you know what i'll say and i know you've not seen it but in the concept of like uh world war ii era black comedies that elicit very marmite reactions jojo rabbit mm. It, it, I, I, it's that same kind of, not exactly, because it's like my my imaginary best friend is Hitler because I've been indoctrinated. But it goes on this very interesting journey that kind of by a halfway point, the tone changes dramatically, and it changes for the better, and you really feel it. And it's like I don't, I, I hate saying the modern day equivalent because it's a film from like I don't know, like twenty years prior, but it has that same kind of tone and narrative. A spiritual family member, if you will. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, there we are. Uh, it's time for our ratings. Our ratings, uh, Ethan. It's just the two of us today. You're first up. I, I was really scared about this film because, like, I, I get nervous. With I'm like, because I don't want to be like, oh, I'm gonna get like one way or the other because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a deeply, I'm like the middle between sort of how you can be, um analyzing film and how like georgia and liam can at points but you know what i just looked at this and i was i was going like do, voiding myself of that of like you know any emotional attachment i had previously i this is this to me was like a, is, is a piece of art like i i adore how this it shows the human condition and like just how we are with people and i think it's very no timely and time to 
like times of tragedy, but it really speaks to how, you know, casualties of all of this are still children that people are trying to not have them lose their childhood. And at the end of that, the smile on his face and he thinks he's won and he has, but the understanding of what's actually been won is so different. And it's, it, it's beautiful. I love, I love this. Um, but with and with where I've had other films, I'm like teetering. So because there's another film that we we keep saying contention to this, and I'm gonna go nine and a half out of ten. Wow. Yeah. I was comparing it with with how I viewed um, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan because yeah. I gave that a ten, and they're both in that same thing. And there's something that Saving Private Ryan did for me just a bit more than this. No, I, agree. I think it's because it showed even more humanity with, but you've got that ensemble cast there. I'm really curious where I landed on Saving Private Ryan. Okay, there Um, I didn't mention 82 percent Rotten Tomatoes, 8.6 on IMDb. Okay, so it's really weird because of IMDb to being just a giant crowdsource metric. Um, not the same level of uh, polarization as we see here. Maybe that gets different the further away we get from. Um, I, I was just checking. It's four point three on Letterbox, and I saw so many one like half star reviews there as well. Yeah. Being like having that, I'm averse to this because this is like I find this disgusting. So four point three. So within, within the range of, of I know it's out of five, but yeah, it's out of five. Where do great films usually land on Letterbox? 3.8 usually. Oh, really? So 4.3 is a really high score. Four, usually. The highest right rated was like across the spider, like the new Spider-Verse, and that was 4.7. Yeah. Yeah. It'll drop as time goes on. Oh, it already did. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I remember uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League being like <laughs> nine and a half on IMDb. <laughs> um, so um, this film had it was two movies. Two yeah. movies where you set up life. I mean, the first half is life is beautiful. You know, it's a story of him wooing his wife and the magic that comes out of the everyday and the mundane. And how do you take the everyday and make it the best special day, the, the, the most important day of your life? And then we we get whiplash because of how quickly it falls apart after the time jump. Yeah, and um, sort of sitting there and. I think about the conceit of the movie where, okay, and I think it could be something very different if not for the character. What a wonderful choice to bring Dr. Lessing back. And the minute you reintroduce him, I'm, I'm, I'm biting at the bait that he's going to help get them out. Because I've seen movies before, and this is what happens. Here's the guy who knew you back when. He can vouch for you. He knows you as being a special person and not just... He can he can take the, the lens of of racist ideology away because he knows who you are. He knows you're brilliant. He knows you're special. He knows all those things. You are a friend. Mm. And when that gets removed and you find out he's not going to get him out. He just wants help over a riddle. And the pain that creates, I realize that just like Dory, and just like his son and just like everybody else in the movie, I've been manipulated by the way that he's positioned things. So they come back in a way and I'm going to beat you to the punch only to be surprised out of nowhere. 
So I'm going to go the same place I went with Saving Private Ryan. It would be a weaker version thereof. Yeah. But I'm going to go 9 out of 10. Mm, yeah. 9 That's, out of 10. Uh, I'm not going to put a uh, a pithy little thing on it. I'm just no, gonna, I, I couldn't either. I'm just going to go 9 out of 10. Yeah. So, I mean, a high choice. Now, I have a feeling that we're going to be uh, we're going to be counterpointed by our Patreon vote here today. Um, where are we going with uh, Shy's vote? Uh, we are going from nine to Shy gave it four. Four? Yeah. You know what's higher than I thought he was going to go with it. Mm. Um, Shy is pretty objective when it comes to even like disliking I, it for whatever reason. I really still sort of able to see. I do really rate Shy's perspective yeah. Uh, yeah. on films in general. Um, something I do like about our um, our group as a whole is I think everybody's really well spoken. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's not too often someone comes up and I go, oh nope, ignore that, no. So it's that idea of uh, like we talked about with Hermes. I mean, you can disagree on things, but you know, let's have the conversation. I don't find anxiety in in, in that conflict of uh, the only thing that's, that's conflicting is is our opinions. It doesn't have to be our our, our persons. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, that brings it out in the wash to 7.5. Hmm, so you know what? Yeah. But that 63% beetroot puts it above Rudy. I'll tell you what, Rudy's so a floor. Oh, my God, the numbers Rudy's is not done. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised. Unless in, like, the final quarter of oh. the month, we, there's going to be someone just going, like, for the podcast, doing the Rudy chant, and he, and he, he skyrockets. Oh, I know what Rudy's capable of getting now. I know, I know. A little pod that could. I know the floor of the podcast now. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'll tell you what, like, the Cedar Skippin' on wrestlers is outpacing Rudy by about 30%. Oh, my God. Which, Cedar Skippin's don't do that. Cedar Skippin's are, <laughs> are secondary information. So, I don't know if we just got lucky with the wrestling crowd or what happened there. So, uh, now it's time to, I'll tell you what, let's thank our Patreon backers, and then we'll go ahead and reveal what the results are. So, yeah. we want to thank, on the way out, Julene, Hermes, James de Guzman, Lena Oberholzer, Anthony and Davies, Chris Peterson, Randall, what's your handle, Silva, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Happy birthday to the Yeetmeister. Reverend birthday. Bruce, Nate the Great, Andy Dixon, Holly Callen, Cheesy with a fish on a bike, Richard, Ryan Kuketz, Dirk Diggler, Stu from the Stew World Order podcast, Norfolk Domus, AJ from Nova Scotia, and I don't have my closing one here, Shy Burgerfreund, but I especially want to thank Shy Burgerfreund for some very yeah. honest commentary today. If you want to be to know how you can get involved and have your voice be the sole voice of, of, of audience feedback which happens from time to time go ahead and check out the patreon patreon.com slash bfe we kept it simple for you tier starting as low as we said is three british pounds go take a look what we offer uh it's a nice community i'll say that much uh now it's time to reveal from that community what are we doing next week the votes are in see i think i know what this could be i think i know where it's headed yeah the um the patreon chat very much was people going ethan you made a good choice however yeah let's take a look here so the choices again to remind you were uh megan said poltergeist georgia said rocky horror picture show ethan said the blair witch project liam said the lost boys and i said sean of the dead we'll reveal these in reverse order 
until we get to the last two, then I'll just reveal what wins. Okay. In fifth place, receiving 0% of the vote. Oh my God. The Blair Witch Project. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Everyone was going, I was going to vote for Blair Witch, but. In fourth place, receiving 7% of the vote. It's fun to be a vampire. The Lost Boys. <laughs> In third place, receiving 14% of the vote. They're here. Poltergeist. Oh. Oh, that's not what I thought would be third. So that leaves it with Shaun of the Dead and the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, my God. In first place, with 57% of the vote. Go live in the shed, Ed. It's Shaun of the Dead. Rocky Horror, 21% of the vote. So next week, we will be doing... We will be doing Sean of the Dead, a He's film I teach. So that means I might even be able to take like almost zero notes and just go off what I already know, which will be great. That's always fun. It is fun. It is fun. Like I'll do some, but uh, the plot, Ian's I won't have to. School. It's Ian's film school. But also done Ian's yeah. film school. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to take a look at that uh, next week. I got a lot to say. So, uh, looking forward to that. It's not a film. Well, we'll see how I feel, but you know, I think my viewpoint on Shaun of the Dead has been fairly yeah. consistent throughout. Uh, and we'll have our Halloween. It'll be a Halloween episode. Halloween episode. We'll Halloween so costumes. We'll be Halloween, Halloween costumed up. Sword. Whether George will be costumed up, I don't know. I think she's on stage all week in a costume, so maybe that'll <laughs> count as her Halloween. Who knows? But everybody, I, I know Megs has got something. I know Liam and I got something. Ethan, you said you got something, so we'll see yeah. how it plans well, pa- plans out. Plans out and pans out, I suppose. So there we go. And we'll be sharing all of the, the, the pictures in the Patreon chat and all that stuff. So go ahead and check it out again. Patreon.com slash BFE. So, so I guess all that's left to do. How do we do for runtime here? Oh, three and a half still, still oh. pretty long enough. <laughs> we, we wanted a couple of tangents. We, it was we like, do it was like, like a couple of tangents. Yeah. We do like that. But hey, we're trying to distract. You know, we're trying to move yeah. on. The story within the story. So <laughs> please join us next time when we tackle for our Halloween episode, the Patreon vote winner brought to you by yours truly. Acknowledge me. Sean of the Dead. For best film ever, I've been Ethan. Uh, been Ethan? Is I've been Ethan. Shit. <laughs> and I've been Ethan. And in closing, I guess what I want to say is this. Hey, thanks a lot for listening this week. Thanks so much more for listening to us next week. You all get first prize in our books. And I promise next week, we're not going to tank it. We'll ah. catch you on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo.